You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast, which for anybody is wondering, you can find us on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Amazon Music, or, as we just recently discovered, on iHeartRadio. So you can find us anywhere wow. anywhere in each, in each, of, uh, each of those uh, locations by searching Missy AE. You'll get access to any of our podcasts that we've done, including the most two recent interviews that we had with Rennie from Big Brother 10 and Sheila Kennedy from Big Brother 9 this past week, which those are also available on the archives as well. Uh, We have a lot to get to tonight. We have, of course, the NBA Finals to recap in what was perhaps a – perhaps a historic uh, NBA finals for one certain player. We will also have uh, the mm-hmm. Cup finals right now with the avalanche currently dominating the Tampa Bay lightning uh, three to nothing in game two with the avalanche well, leading man. the series one game to nothing yeah. already. Uh, we also have, and we're going to open up the show tonight with this. Uh, we have a Scandal that has absolutely rocked the wrestling world and could potentially be a huge threat to maybe the biggest wrestling organization around, the WWE. Uh, we currently have Lou and Alex on the line with us, and if you guys want to talk, uh, if anybody listening wants to talk some sports, you can call in 657-383-1308. Because we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, first off, yes. Lou and Alex, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, Steve, how you guys? All right, doing Steve, well. thanks. Doing well, man. Always good to be uh, on the show with you guys. Although, Steve, although, Steve uh, I may have to duck out for a little while because I'm back with uh, the guy from Detroit. So I may have to pop out like, between 10 and 3, but I should make it back before 11 o'clock. All right. All right. That's good. That's good to know, Lou. Um yeah. First off, uh, what's it called? I'm, I'm. Thank God, I'm definitely sounding a lot better. Apparently, it turns out I had COVID yeah. this week, uh, or last week, and I had no idea about it until no kidding. I ended up getting tested on Monday. Yeah, that's what. Remember, remember, Lou, when I told you that everything was sounding weird to me. Uh, I thought it was wrong. Of the show. Uh, I thought it was wrong. Of the show. I thought it was my audio, but uh, yeah. apparently, apparently it turns out it was uh, that was one of the one of the symptoms of me having COVID. Apparently, that everything slowed yeah. down. It seemed ah. I don't know because you said so it, what you said it was, was you? fine. Mm, wow, because you said it was well, fine. Well, glad you're better. So, yeah, luckily. Uh, glad you're feeling. Glad luckily, you're feeling I better, ended up man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, luckily I ended up only having minor uh, uh, minor symptoms yeah. for the most part. So the only thing I really have left is the uh, is the cough out of uh, out of everything yeah. that I uh, that I had to go through. But uh, anyways, we're here to talk some sports tonight. Uh, 
I'm probably I, I should open up here with maybe the biggest bombshell I think that has gone on in wrestling in quite some time. Uh, there was an article that dropped a couple days ago by the Wall Street Journal. And according to that article, it mentioned that the, w, the, the, the members of the board of directors of WWE were investigating a secret $3 million settlement that longtime chief executive Vince McMahon wow. had agreed to pay to a departing employee with whom he allegedly had an affair with, according to documents and people that were familiar with the board inquiry. Uh, the employee was said to have been hired as a paralegal back in 2019, and uh, she ended up having to sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, when she left in uh, this past January, which barred her from discussing the relationship that she had with Mr. McMahon or disparity wow. in, in any way. Now, according to the article, the investigation reportedly began in April, which was around the time uh-huh. that Vince's daughter, Stephanie, ended up stepping away from the company. Oh, yeah. Uh, and apparently this investigation has now expanded into other non-disclosure agreements that may involve misconduct claims made by other former female WWE employees about McMahon mm-hmm. as well as as well as his right hand man, the head of talent relations, John Laurinaitis. Uh, wow. the board members reportedly found out about the three million dollar settlement through a series of anonymous emails from a person who said that the former WWE employee was their friend. Now, according to an excerpt from the article it says that the first email that was sent to board directors to, to the board members on March 30th alleged that Mr. McMahon, 76 years old, initially hired the woman at a salary of $100,000, but increased it to 200000 after he began a sexual relationship with her. And just for uh, just to uh, give some clarity here, okay, give some clarity yeah. here, the the woman, the woman was 41 years old at the time. To uh, uh-huh. to provide some clarity on the on the situation, uh, the email to the board also alleged that Mr. McMahon, and I quote, gave her like a toy to Mr. Laurinaitis. So basically, she was being right. passed around as the office slut, essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. The board. The board is now investigating the allegations in the email, uh, and according to the email as well, it stated that my friend was so scared, so she quit after Vince McMahon and his lawyer, Jerry McDevitt, who represents all of the, the WWE in any of their cases that they, uh, that they have to deal with uh, legally, reportedly paid her millions of dollars to shut up. Now, a spokesperson for the WWE right. has, has, has said that they are taking the allegations seriously and they are cooperating fully with the board inquiry. Uh, the relationship between both McMahon and the employee was said to have been consensual, so it's not like it was a one-sided affair. Uh, but needless to say, you know, these are very, very shocking allegations to have come out. 
considering the fact that this is a publicly traded company, and this is involving the main owner of the company, in Vince McMahon, yeah. maybe the one guy, the one guy who has revolutionized the wrestling business, the guru, the guru of the game, yeah, the head, the head, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much, you know, he's boss, the, he's boss the guy hog. that, yeah, boss hog, you know, without without him doing what he did when he uh, when he went to war with WCW and he eventually bought out WCW. There was the liked wrestling the industry. Yeah. yeah. What was that? I'm not. I'm not a massive. I, I must confess, I'm not a massive fan. I, I'll always love wrestling. I haven't kept on it up on it like I used to with like Hulk Hogan and those guys. But uh, he, I've always, he, he's always struck me as a obviously a very smart, cunning businessman. But I've always kind of liked his personality. It seems like he takes care of his people, or I don't know. But still, this is not a not a good look at all. No, it isn't as well. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, he even went out on w, on live TV last night on WWE SmackDown as his character, Mr. McMahon, and everybody was expecting. Normally, he doesn't make appearances on TV unless it's supposed to be something big. And everybody was expecting that, okay, he's going to – maybe he'll give a – a farewell message or whatnot. And, you know, this will be the last time we'll see him on TV and maybe potentially forever. Uh, and apparently all he did was he appeared on TV just to wa- just to welcome everybody to the show. And it was, it, it was basically like there was no need for him to be put on the, for him to be put on the show just to do that. Uh, and a lot of people have have speculated that it's his way of saying, "I'm not going anywhere. There's nothing that this, uh, you know, uh, this this uh, investigation uh, into my affairs is puny, and you know, nothing's going to come of this." Uh, but you know, a lot of people believe that. Uh, his appearance last night didn't help him at all, and it's entirely possible that uh, not only will he be uh, he, he'll pro- this is probably going to hurt uh, any chances of him selling the company, but he may have mm-hmm. to step down permanently. I don't know, but like how could it help, how could it hurt him though? Probably how could it hurt, how could it hurt him though, Steve? No, I'm just a curious question. I mean. He's, it's still it's not going to damage the I guess the value of the brand right I mean someone's still going to pay a well, ton of money uh, yeah but the pro- the problem is who's going to who's going to want to take on a company or, or a uh, product with so much baggage that's true that's true no I know and you know this isn't the first time that these uh, allegations of misconduct have come up. Uh, back in ninety two. Wow. Ba- back in nineteen ninety two, uh, they hired a, a referee named Rita Chatterton, uh, who was known for being the first female referee in the WWF. Uh, she made an right. appearance on Geraldo Rivera's show, which was called "Now It Can Be Told," back in the time. And oh, yeah. 
she claimed that on July 16, 1986, McMahon tried to force her to perform oral sex on him in his limousine, and when she refused, really? he supposedly raped her. Oh, then, wow. I didn't know about February, this. Wow. I, I didn't know about it either until until uh, I was going I was going down my Twitter feed and I saw that somebody had uh, somebody had produced a timeline uh, or a, a Twitter thread of all the different uh, allegations or all the all the different controversies that Vince has been involved in. Um, then back in 2006. He was accused of sexual harassment by a worker at a tanning bar in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, the charge appeared to be discredited at first because he was in Miami at the time for the 2006 Royal Rumble, but it was soon clarified that the alleged incident was reported to the police on the day of the Rumble, but actually took place the day before. And it turned out eventually that no charges ended up being filed against him. Uh, as a result of the investigation and not to mention uh, for anybody that was that was living under a rock he was uh, he was uh, under uh, under federal court back in 93 for the steroid scandal where he allegedly uh, he allegedly distributed distributed steroids to his wrestlers on a on a uh, on a daily basis and one of the wrestlers who had been fired after a violent confrontation with McMahon uh, had testified mm-hmm. that McMahon had ordered him to use steroids, but uh, the credibility of the witness was called into question during the testimony as he made it clear that he hated McMahon. Uh, yes. uh, ultimately, he ended up being, uh, Vince ended up being acquitted of the charges. Uh, but still, you know, this is, this this isn't the first time that he's had any sort of controversy surrounding him. However, this might be more damaging because the fact that he ra- that you know the uh, salary that was given to the woman uh, was randomly increased around the time. Uh, I I forget there was one other there was one other thing. Uh, in terms of around the time it was increased, I forget, I forget exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, but there's there's one other detail specifically as to uh, how suspicious it is that this person got an oh yeah this person got an increase around the time that uh, they were claiming that they had to uh, they had to get rid of some wrestlers due to budget cuts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and ultimately, uh, you know, it's normally, you know, what goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. But there's you been a think. lot of weird, you would think, yes, but there's been a lot of weird things that have been going around first. Triple H ends up uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who's of course married to his daughter Stephanie McMahon, uh, has he he ended up having to take time off and due to a health condition, and ultimately his when he returned, 
he didn't have nearly as much power as he had had before he had left. Vince basically took away part of his uh, part of his position. Then Stephanie ultimately ends up leaving because taking a leave of absence uh, because of unknown unknown reasons. It was never stated a why, but. Uh, many have now been speculating that she knew that this was going to take place because she left around the time that the investigation started. Now, uh, however, she has been named the interim CEO of the WWE after Vince stepped down uh, as of a couple of days ago. Uh, He voluntarily stepped down. Uh, from his position as as CEO of the WWE, even though he still owns the company, uh, he was also considered to be the CEO. And I mean, the, you know, j- just this whole thing, this whole thing, it's just weird when it comes to the timing of it because. Yeah. It kind of makes it kind of makes me wonder right now if this th- obviously this has to be an inside job because how else would somebody have this knowledge? Oh, it's inside job, believe me. <coughs> I'm beginning to wonder. Oh, I forgot to mention too. He he pushed his son Shane McMahon out of the company over a disagreement that they had had at the Royal Rumble this past January. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, it, it just se- it just seems like uh, ap- apart from the fact that you know McMahon has completely grown out of touch with the wrestling uh, with the wrestling audience. Uh, you know, he's not nearly as edgy as he used to be anymore. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are wondering if maybe perhaps somebody has a bone to pick with him from within the company and somebody who, who is high enough in the company to, to know that this was going on. And all of a sudden, you know, they said it was an, it was an anonymous email that was, that was uh, sent out. So somebody would have to know the emails of, Somebody would have to know yeah, the so emails of every board member. To grind. Someone, when you're that big, you're going to have some enemies and some haters. Someone mm-hmm. leaked it. Yep. Yeah. But what I'm thinking is, though, somebody obviously had an axe to grind. And, I, I, you know, obviously the, uh, yep. the person that left, they can't, they, they can't mention anything about this situation because they've signed an NDA. They've signed a non-disclosure agreement, so she cannot comment on this whatsoever. So, whether it's true or whether it's false, you know, it, honestly, it could be anybody because it, it has to be somebody from within the board. Because who else would know all of the board members' emails? Who would know that all yeah. of this was going on? <laughs> I'll tell you, Vince. I'll tell you, Vince wants to wants to know who would know. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be uh, running scared once they they gotta stay underground and stay out of the uh, out of the attention now. Well, you know, people have sort of speculated maybe it could be Triple H, maybe it could be his own daughter Stephanie. Relationship? Stephanie? 
or they have a good relationship um, from what you can gather. <laughs> I mean, they have a good Not relationship, anymore. but the problem is, the problem is Vince will not listen to anybody. Like he would, so she would have to die. He would have to die first before he would step down. I mean, right, right. now, you know, him, uh, him just temporarily stepping down right now is a shock in and of itself that he uh, that he relinquished his role for the time being while this was going on. Because normally, on a on a normal uh, on a normal everyday uh, you know business day, he would not step down if if this. Uh, if this controversy didn't come up, he wouldn't he wouldn't be stepping down. He wouldn't be relinquishing any control to anybody. And now he's doing it. Wow. Very interesting. However, the one thing to note, he is still the head of WWE Creative. So anything that happens on uh, you know, on TV for their on on air product, it is approved by him first. Okay. So he is yep. still he is still in charge of the on air product. It's just that uh, when it comes to being a figurehead for the company and being the main boss for the time being, now his uh, his daughter right. is now the main boss. Huh. I'd like her too. I mean, is she is she yeah. a snake or is she is she a she seems pretty nice to me. What do you guys think about Stephanie? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm I mean, yeah, her her obviously her on air character and and her uh, and her in person is are two completely different people. Uh, you know, she comes off as very sympathetic outside of the wrestling business and everything uh when she's as she as, as an executive um i mean she's been a member of the board for god knows how long uh she was there before yeah. before her husband uh eventually got added to the board of directors but you know, if anybody were if 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 the company were to be passed down to anybody, I would. I mean, granted, I'm just a fan, but uh, right. I would think that she would be the heir to the throne, especially if his son Shane didn't want it. Oh yeah. So I mean, I do think the company is in good hands with her for the time being, but. You know, it's entirely possible. We saw uh, uh, stocks begin to plummet following the news about this uh, about this scandal. So that's why a lot of people think that maybe perhaps him appearing last night on the show was a way for him to say everything's fine. He, you know, he's trying to tell all of the uh, you know all the shareholders. And uh, sponsors and everything, you know that everything's fine. This one thing isn't going to stop. Isn't going to stop me from continuing to do what I do on a daily basis. Uh huh. But at the same, you know, at the same time, that's just as I mentioned, sponsors. You got to think too. 
they could potentially lose sponsors over this. They could lose, uh, you know, television deals, network deals. Right. If they have, if they have somebody, if they have somebody like him at the helm, who is is uh, you know using using women like their playthings. I mean, you know, who's who's going to want to do business with somebody like that? <coughs> yeah, it makes it pretty uh, less than ideal circumstances. Definitely tarnishes the once proud uh, product. I mean, they still have a talent, yeah. though. The players make the league. No, the they... wrestlers make the ring. The, the wrestlers make the ring. So that's they're going to have to spearhead this thing out of uh, through the controversy. You can't. I mean, you know what I mean. Money talks, and but the athleticism and the marketing and the the ratings and the, the wrestling now is just over the top. It's amazing as far as the appeal and the allure to younger play, people and older fans like us. I mean, they still have a lot of great people running that thing, and they have a lot of great athletes, performers. So I mean, that's why I was saying before. Yeah, this is not not good optics and not a good situation because of Vince. But overall, I mean, that's a big machine. That's a beast. That's a great product overall. So I don't know how much how I don't know how much less it's going to be worth now. I don't I don't know. I think it can keep on chugging along. Well, here's the thing though. This this goes even deeper because if the woman in question saw the alleged bump in pay after the alleged relationship with Vince began, that means that company funds may have been used as a reward for a relationship. And that yeah. means that the SEC will get involved. Oh wow! Dude, this is going beyond what I could, uh, originally, what I initially was thinking. So, you know, I haven't, I honestly haven't read up a lot on this. You're so you're, you know, I'm learning right now with you. Yeah, this is yeah. getting yeah. pretty hairy. Then this is getting a lot bigger than what I thought. That's that's no good. That's no bueno. And. It, uh, it says if it, if, it, if it came from his personal funds, it's a lot better than if it came from company funds. Because <laughs> yeah. either way, both, both not good, way, but though. both not good, but one's worse than the other. Yeah, both not good though. I mean, e- yeah. either way, either way, hush money. Either way, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Es- especially since most of his wealth and income is tied to the WWE. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of all coming from the same uh, same pool, the same source. Yeah, exactly. The same gene pool. So, <laughs> same gene Gene McMahon pool. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, it is it is true. It it is true. <laughs> Don't forget, he got the company from his father. So, I actually nailed well, it. Well, yeah, but it doesn't fall far from the tree. I had a little right? wrestling fun fact: Gene McMahon. I, I, I pulled that out of somewhere. Pulled that out of somewhere. I mean, this obviously there's going to be lingering effects. Uh, I would assume that John Laurinaitis is likely out as head of talent relations. Uh, he has to be. I yeah, head's got to roll. Head's got to roll. So they're going to start chopping people up left and right. They're going to start chopping people off. Vince McMahon may potentially survive this because of the fact that he has the most power within the company. Like he can't be voted out of the company by the board. Uh, he has yeah. like eighty percent of the 
They said he has 80% of the voting power. So basically, Vince isn't going to go anywhere, but uh, there may be lasting effects that may that may end up taking place here within the, within the company. Uh, John Laurinaitis is likely gone. Uh, I would be stunned if I would. Let me put it this way: I would be stunned if there are no permanent changes made to yeah, the company like, after like, this. I agree. There, I mean, there has to be a huge shakeup, or else you know they have to show that they're not messing around, or else they're going to get crushed by other people. So they have to like mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to really discipline internally and try to get ahead of it, get in front of it somehow. If these other big players, if these other big players are involved, they can get really screwed financially and everything. So yeah, I also, I also would not be shocked if he keeps his daughter in the CEO position. I would not be shocked at all because obviously Vince is going to have to have some sort of he's going to have to take a step back and. Because I don't think, you know, people won't look at him in the same light as the head of the company uh, after this, especially if the allegations are proven true. And depending on if the SEC has to get involved. I mean, you know, there's been debate whether or not this is bigger than the steroid scandal. It's possible. Yeah, I think because it's not, I mean, steroids were awful and egregious, but, I mean, look at what it is compared. That's like a self-induced, like, drug problem. This is like actually paying hush money to, like, take advantage of women. I, you, know, I mean, you know what I mean? I, ethically, and I think as far as the optics and, like, the level of, uh, I guess, sinfulness or, like, illegal, I mean, this is worse. This is definitely worse than steroids. What are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think, do you think this is uh... – on on the same level as the steroids uh, as the steroids uh, trial, do you think it's worse? Well, considering no, I don't I don't think so. I mean, the steroid you know pretty much was devastating to the um, to the whole industry. I don't think this is you know uh, as, as serious. I mean, it's nothing to take lightly, but I don't think we're looking at you know a uh, major catastrophe here. I mean, the steroid era was, was, was a lot worse than this. This is more actually, just, pers- actually, you know, just a personal issue, you know, that just, you know, doesn't seem to want to get resolved here. Uh, you know, and the product actually, of this, uh, you know, the Apple is fall apart from the here. Yeah, I agree with Lou, actually, now that I'm thinking about it more. Like Lou just said, that, that rocked the whole baseball world. So I want to kind of edit what I originally said. I don't, I don't, I don't think this is as bad as the steroid scandal, actually, because that really that turned the whole sport upside down. This isn't ruining wrestling; it's just the main guy is in a terrible situation. Yeah, it's not turning, it's not yeah. turning the sport on its head. It's not destroying no. the sport. But for what it sounds like, though, it sounds like because uh, as I mentioned before, there's other non-disclosure agreements that apparently have been brought up. Uh, Within the within the uh, uh, you know the investigation that has taken place so far, so there may wow. be even more. There may be even more cases that pop up uh, yeah. in the future. In, once once this kind of stuff gets out, once the skeletons fall out of the closet, then you start seeing other stuff coming up. Then it kind of lights up the whole situation, and other things shake out of the tree too. 
I mean, this is hit. This, uh, as far as how big this is, this is hit. Uh, you know, the that John Oliver uh, late night with John Oliver or whatever, uh, whatever wow. thing he does for HBO. Yeah, no, I when think it get, when it gets when it gets to that level, it's it's big time. Yeah, it's hit that. It's it's been on Fox News. It's been on CNN, MSNBC. Wow. I Whoa. mean, it's. This has basically caught fire. So, you know, people were saying that, uh, oh, this is, yeah. you know, this is something for a storyline maybe that the WWE is going to do, or this is, uh, th- you know, these are unfound, uh, you know, no unfound way. rumors. Oh, no, they're yeah. not rumors. They're not, they're not going <laughs> to be not, on they're CNN. Not or... they don't, they, they're not doing this for attention. For, they're not doing this for attention. First of all, they're made of money. They're, sw- they're swimming and sleeping in money. They don't need yeah, this negative yeah. attention. There's no way this was uh, something, like, uh, made up on the fly, like some creative move to, hey, no. let's get attention over here. This is not a good money-making scheme. <laughs> yeah, this ain't, this ain't like uh, they're, they're not going <laughs> to do this for, for ratings or something uh, to, make the, to make the product better. I don't think so. Uh, they're not going to make up something like this and have it <laughs> not be false. Not the type false. of stuff you would make up. Not the type of stuff to make exactly. up for, uh, for for anything unless you want your ass on fire and you want to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Your ass is on fire? Ooh, dear. you got to do something about that. Oh, oh, imagery, imagery. No. But, you know, I think the, the main important <laughs> thing, though, is that even though – some people look at the wrestling industry as, oh, it's, you know, it's fake. You know, those guys aren't really athletes, blah, blah, blah. They're still uh-huh. a huge, Hell no. huge they're, they're good athletes. They're very good athletes. They're performers and they're yeah, actors. Yeah, but they get, well, but but they're they actors, actors really, too. <laughs> I know. There's always, there's always going to be that, that segment, that fraction of, you know, that, sure. that area. Of, bad you know, acting, but acting. There's always going to be people that slam wrestlers as non those guys are incredible athletes. It's just, you know, it's kind of cinema. It's a little bit different than the mainstream other sports. Yeah, they're still great yeah, athletes. Yeah, but, you know, this is still a huge company. Like, for example, this would, if, like, if something came up with Roger Goodell, if if a scandal uh, came up surrounding yeah, Roger this Goodell. Is, this is commissioner level. This is far beyond even an owner. This is much bigger yeah. than an owner. The, this is bigger than a James Dolan or a Jerry Jones story times 10. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, there may be businesses who may be, uh, or not businesses, but, um, you know, there may be sponsors who may be hesitant to now work with the WWE after this, uh, especially yeah. knowing that they're, you know, that their CEO or former CEO now uh, was doing this for, from what it sounds like, he was doing this for years. You know, this is just an isolated incident, but he's been doing stuff like this for years, apparently. Does that, let's, let's, and Steve, you're a very smart business and, you know, sports guy. Louie, you as well. I mean, does this shock any of us? I mean, they got caught. You know, people in high Not positions me. do this. Doesn't shock me at they all. They do it all. They do it all. CEOs, uh, CFOs. Hockey owners, uh, NFL, what, Mickey Calloway, the Mets coach, was sending yeah. whatever pictures to girls. Guys are doing shit like that. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, they, I, I, they, they, put, 
they they caught this guy. There's a million. There's a lot of other big time people in high places doing this stuff too. Right. I can't say it shocked me, but I would say yeah. it shocked me that it that it's come out. There's yeah. plenty of girls getting hush money in the cities we live in and on the the TV shows we watch. People of all walks right. of life are getting paid. You know. Oh yeah. That's that's right. the restaurant I, I owner. Would... That's 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 the that's the restaurant owner worth a million who's like 65 years old who's banging one of his waitresses and she gets like two grand a week, three grand a week automatically. Only one? Wow, it's <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That happens everywhere. Or the club owner, or the photographer, or the agent, or the I model. I it was at least I mean, four. Yeah, maybe five. Yeah. I would just say that it yeah. shocks me. It, I would say it just shocks me that, that it came out. Because normally that's stuff what like I mean. this that's is, what I mean. Huh. That's, that's the shock that it was actually brought to light. But there's plenty of stuff done in the dark by plenty of people uh, in those those types of course. industries. Oh yeah, music of course. Music, modeling, fashion, music, sports, politics. You know, the intern, the young, the young girl on the Definitely scene the trying to make a. Yeah, the girl, the girl trying to get paid and trying to make her name in the business. You know, they, they'll do what yes. they'll do certain things. Yeah, money talks. And BS walks. So mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, uh, John Laurinaitis is likely going to be done. Because of this, Vince, I don't know if he'll step back. That's the thing. I don't know if he will step back into the chairman role, or if he may just give it to uh, to his daughter permanently. But right now, she's the interim chairwoman slash CEO of the company. Um, and like I said, you know this this may potentially. Uh, hurt them when it comes to you know it's it's been no secret that they've been trying to dress up the company to where they could sell it to, to oh, someone yeah. like Disney to someone like Disney or I heard Fox was trying to purchase the company as well you know uh, it's no secret that they've been trying to th- that's why they've done all those budget cuts because normally when you do budget cuts right. you're trying to you're trying to present the uh you know the the company uh as as attractive as possible to the newest uh, to the new owner or potential new owners so this instance quite possibly could kill a potential sale because I don't think mm-hmm. there's going to be anybody that's going to want to deal with him now. Especially if more stories come out. It's kind of like the... Uh, what's a good comparison to this? Um, okay, I'll, get, I'll, give it, I'll give it this. It's kind of like the Deshaun Watson situation that's going on right now. It's not, yeah, once that door, yeah, once that door is open, there's a lot of other side doors and alleys and hallways. There's a lot more coming out of that that area. Yeah, one, I mean, yeah. it opened the floodgate. It opens the floodgates, <laughs> and now there's gonna be, now there'll be three or four other girls within the next month or the next two years. I mean, any second, someone could say, hey, they can call a reporter or call ESPN and say, hey, I want to talk to someone for a couple thousand dollars. I got a story to tell. You know, exactly. those girls will start. They'll start singing like uh, canaries. You know, being investigated. Girls will come out of the woodwork. He could have, he could have ten or twelve cases in a in two months. Watch. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. 
Um, and you're going to tell me, to be tell fair, me, I mean, obviously there's, obviously there's, there's gorgeous girls of all ages, but you said earlier, I didn't know, you, you just told me, what, 41 years old? I'm sure Vince is going yeah. a little younger and uh, plenty of other kind of younger, you know, you know what I mean? I don't think he's uh, a one-woman man. <laughs> so, I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, on I'm, su- I'm sure he probably has. I mean, like, for example, uh, look at some of the girls example. that are, there was a look rumor. At some of the, look at some Look at some of the female wrestlers. How about those girls that wanted their big shot at, uh, to be a superstar? Who knows what they did? Or Lori yeah, and that, I did. That was those a rumor. Probably, yeah, they're sleeping with the girls to get on, on TV. I mean, maybe one or two yeah. of them. Maybe Lori and I Maybe some of the – I well, mean, that happens in the music industry, every, politics, every industry, like I said. I do, I do know that much. Uh, former, WWE, uh, former WWE diva Rosa Mendez – uh, uh-huh. Apparently hooked up with uh, apparently hooked up with Michael Hayes, uh, the Freebird, Michael P. S. Hayes, uh, who has name. been Freebird? a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's Freebird. what he was known for for the fa- the fabulous Freebirds. That's great. Uh, he's been and a long time. You know, he was a long time. Uh, he was a long time agent slash producer for the WWE. I think he still is great. actually. Great uh, name for Freebird. That's great, and that's literally the only way that that she even got on TV was she was she was sleeping at the time with uh, with Michael Hayes. Interesting. And I mean, there's been a rumor going around too that the Bella Twins, who have you know, they've been doing this uh, since leaving wrestling. They've been doing this whole fashion uh, this whole fashion company, I guess, or whatever, uh, but. Rumor was that they slept their way to the top to get to to you know become multiple multiple uh, time women's champions and whatnot throughout they are their respective careers. Are so you know it's entirely possible that there there may really be more stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if there were if there if. Uh, Former wrestlers may potentially come forward. Former former women, yes. Uh, women's wrestlers may potentially come forward, and maybe not. And maybe not necessarily involve. Oh boy, yeah, I see what you mean, Lou. Oh my, and we will get we will get to the Stanley Cup Finals in a minute, but. Uh, there may, you know, there may be, uh, maybe it's not just Vince. There may be more employees that have stuff come out, uh, come out about them, especially if people decide to start talking. <laughs> yeah. But let's pivot over to the Stanley Cup Finals, or why don't we call it what it is right now? Uh, Colorado Avalanche Invitational as Colorado has opened up a wide gap, a 5-0 lead with about three and a half minutes to go in the second period of game two in a series that they lead 1-0. You know, I originally said that, okay, Tampa Bay, you know, we may see if, if Tampa Bay was just facing good defensive teams or if Tampa Bay has lost a step, kind of thinking Tampa Bay has lost a step. Oh, isn't it? Or have. maybe perhaps, maybe perhaps could it be championship 
fatigue. After all, they've won two straight Stanley Cups. Could it potentially be championship fatigue? I mean, the way it looks right now, Tampa has just lost it for sure. All right, Alex, what are, what are your thoughts on this? You know, t- Tampa Bay, they've they've always been known as as a dominating a dominating force in the Eastern Conference and in the NHL as a whole. Is it championship fatigue or is Colorado just that much of a better team? I'm still learning, as you know. I'm always always ready and listening to you guys yeah. and, and the hockey. <laughs> the hockey people out there. I mean, now I'm watching more and more, as you know, Steve, and now I'm locked in. I'm really trying hard to, you know, really getting familiarized with their roster. Yeah, they are. You guys were right from last, last week's show. They are. I was impressed by Tampa. Again, still really starting to watch the past couple months. I had no idea. Uh, Colorado's an absolute juggernaut. They're loaded. Yep. They're loaded. They're a little, they're, they're bigger and quicker. I know that sounds like, okay, this guy's not a big hockey guy, but that applies to all sports. They're more, impressive athletically and yeah faster bigger stronger i mean that's pretty much works in any all sport. Over the night. that pretty much works in any sport i mean that's the ultimate compliment for a, an athlete to be smart big fast right. i mean they're bullying they're literally not no, they're not brawling and fighting them they're but they're bullying them they're just better <laughs> they're just they they got the big guns they have a ton of good forwards they have very solid defense i mean they're loaded with goal scorers so, yeah. and Tampa's not in, and incredible they, killing, uh, killing, uh, you know, man down deficit. Uh, the penalty kill is not, not as supreme as most of their other areas. So they're having a lot wow. of trouble too. Uh, the Colorado's power play is just like juiced up with, uh, you know, total superstar scoring. Not a good uh, matchup there either. The, the special teams. No. All right, you take a look at the you take a look at the stats. Uh, obviously, we're in the we're nearing the end of the second, but let me just give you the stats for the end of the first period. At yeah, the end of the I first haven't period, been, I haven't been watching. I haven't been watching the whole time. I've been watching like watching the Padres, watching the Cardinals. So yeah, but I've been I've been watching on and off. Yeah. Tell me some of those. Tell us. Uh, tell us. Show us some of those stats. At the end of the first period, Colorado attempted twenty-five shots. <laughs> eleven of them, eleven of them went on net. They attempted a mm-hmm. total of twenty-five shots, compared to ten attempted shots by Tampa. Tampa only got spread that up only got three five periods. of those that's shots seven, on net. That, that's seventy-five shots to thirty if played over sixty minutes. Seventy-five yes. to thirty. So that's that's almost a, that's closer to a three-to-one. Ratio than even a two to one. They're almost tripling them in shots. Yeah, or, or shot, shot attempts, but yeah, Triple, uh, shots tripling. on goal. I mean, shots, shots on goal miraculously were only eleven to five in favor of Colorado. Okay. Those that actually you got want, to the net. Yeah, but you want to. You're creating chances. You're being aggressive. You're you're just putting the puck on the net or dumping behind. Yeah. They're just. You know what I mean? They're putting full course throttle. They're 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 cruising right at them. They're not uh they're not playing yeah. timid or conservative. They're just putting the hammer down on them. 
And right now, as it stands, uh, the current shots on goal are 19 to 10 in favor of Colorado. So Tampa is just, they're just getting blown out. They're getting blown out on both sides of the of the ice, not just on offense, but also on defense. You know, uh, some other some other stats: nine takeaways by Colorado compared to three by Tampa. Uh, Colorado is actually has more hits. The I th- I think the only area that Colorado is losing in right now is blocked shots. With Tampa Bay blocking 15 of those shot attempts compared to Colorado only blocking 7 shot attempts. And here's the thing, neither of none of Colorado's 5 goals tonight have been from their top line. Not a single one. Wow. Remarkable. Depth, I mean, yeah. yeah. Let's say Tampa, defensively good, balanced, strong, smart team. Obviously, they can try to slow down uh, Colorado's best players. The thing is, Colorado has depth and up and down the lineup. So they can be third or fourth line. Can't slow down the whole hockey team. I mean, if you want to bring out your best checking line or a thug or a goon or, you know, maybe play your top defensive pairing against one line, great. You can't compensate. They're going to win those other matchups when the when, when people are flowing in and shifts are going on and guys are jumping, you know, over the bench. They keep coming in waves. Right. Tampa can't, Tampa can't you know, keep up with them. I don't think depth-wise. No. This is, this is easily – Andre Vasilevsky's worst playoff uh, series that he has had to date. Oh, I don't know. In his yeah, entire well, he, career, he up Rangers, he's getting bombarded. But yeah, he cleaned up quickly. But yeah, this is not a good start. He's he, he's he shown got, that he can be beat. Obviously, he's not invincible. Yeah, he got lit up for four goals in a four-three loss to Colorado in overtime uh, in okay. Game One. It's not bad. Now he's, he's given up. Now he's given up five goals on nineteen attempts, or on now, nineteen yeah. shots on goal. Now he's I now mean, he's trying to move in the wrong direction. He, but I mean, he's shown yeah. he can he can quickly bounce back and become awesome for the next two weeks. I don't know. He he could, but that would also that would also entitle that Colorado would all of a sudden slow down. That's the thing. So maybe it's even more so. Maybe it's critical. It's always critical, but yeah, maybe his defense has yeah. to step up even more. Less less shots. They got to change up something defensively. And uh, not to mention, Colorado has had their starting goaltender Darcy Kemper back. So this is they're now facing Colorado's starter. They have, they're not facing the backup yeah. that Colorado has used all playoffs long. That's insane. They're that good. You guys were right. I, I'm, yeah. I'm quickly learning about. I'm quickly learning about Avalanche, and I'm, I'm blown away when I watch him for ten minutes. I'm like, this team moves different. I warned you. They're, they're on a different level. I'm very, very impressed. I had no idea about Colorado. I thought Tampa was awesome, and this is a, this is a whole new level. I mean, look, uh, this Colorado's may, be, this may be the best. This may be the best Colorado team since the Patrick Y years. And Peter Forsberg and Joe yeah. Sackick, yep. Exactly, that's Especially what I'm saying. Joe you know, th- 
this may be the best Colorado team since they had Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackick, Ray what. Bork. Louis, Steve, I mean, I, now now yeah. we're talking. Now I know that era. I know that era. Obviously, I just called that right. out randomly. Um, that's yeah. when I was really engaged and fully plugged into the league. Right now, I mean, I'm still learning about, like, the third line and fourth line. This Colorado, this Colorado team has to have more depth. I remember Forsberg and Sackett can maybe, like, two good lines. Colorado's got four good lines, three, three and a half good lines. They yeah. probably have more depth than any – this is probably the deepest, strongest, maybe overall, top to bottom Colorado roster. Maybe their best team. I mean, you look at it though; they got uh, they got a whole bunch of former first round picks too. I believe on here. I mean, they got wow. Gabriel Landeskog. They got Gabriel Landeskog, who they took second overall in 2011. They have uh, they have Nathan McKinnon who I believe went first overall one of the years. Yeah, back in 2013, he went first overall to Colorado. Uh, Let me see. Uh, Wait a minute. No, that was from Buffalo. Who Who else did they... Who else did they have on homegrown? Oh, uh, fourth, they had a fourth overall pick in 2019, uh, Bowen Byram, who is now one of their top defensemen currently. They got mm, – well, actually, you know, a lot of these guys are also from other, from other teams as well. But the main point is, you know, they have surround – they have – you know, finally surrounded their franchise players with elite talent. And right now it's paying off in spades so far. Just, and and, and what's amazing is the fact that they're getting, they're getting goals in the net without it coming from their top line. Steve, now that I'm, now that I'm, Getting back acclimated. I mean, you tell me. You tell me who are the who are the Forsberg and Sackick right now on their team? Who are the top three players that a casual female fan on a Saturday night, if she's sitting in a bar somewhere with her husband, who should that girl know? Yeah. Like, who are the Avalanche best three players right now? Biggest names or best players or what? What happened? McKinnon, Landeskog, right. and. You know what I mean? Who's the, who's uh, who's going to make the casual yeah. fan go? Wow, this team is amazing. Yeah, McKinnon, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. Those are their top three players. All forwards or uh, one defense, one defenseman. All forwards, all forwards. Yeah, I figured they have high throttle, high max, you know, high energy offense, which is good. It's fun to see. It's it's really fun hockey. Now the Rangers Tampa obviously was a like blue collar battle, but yeah. Now they, they just again they just to me they look like they're just faster and bigger. I mean, best of both worlds. I mean, it, you know, it 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 just kind of makes me wonder if perhaps Tampa because yeah. let's let's not forget if you go if you go to any sort of finals, whether it's a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final or an NBA mm-hmm. final uh, or you know the World Series. Mm-hmm you're going to have less of a recovery time. 
Yeah. You know, you're going to have less of of a recovery a time, point. less of a uh, you know, less of a uh, of an off season basically. So That's a good point. Yeah. You, uh, you know, like I said before, I'm kind of wondering if perhaps maybe this is finally championship fatigue starting to catch up to Tampa. It might be. I don't know. I don't know. These guys are so well conditioned. I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, I, the, when it came to fatigue, Steve and Louie, I mean, from my perspective, the Rangers, they had dead legs. They had tired legs. They were running out of gas. Yeah. At the end of they Tampa, were. I think Tampa's just like battle test. Tampa's used to these long seasons, so I don't think it's fatigue. Yeah. I don't know, you mentally tired or what? Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. Mental, you know, like mental fatigue. Because I mean, yeah. you have to you have to go through if you're if you're doing back to back to back seasons of appearing in the in the finals. Oh, long you know that's fatigue. a yeah, long term. That's a fatigue. pretty long For, run. Versus versus the Rangers, who were like, were a bit over their heads, like new to the area, oh, and yeah. they had been played, and they played two back to back game sevens. That's like physical fatigue. Yeah. yeah, maybe Tampa's just exhausted of just playing a lot of hockey or doing a lot of yeah. interviews and not I, having, I don't know. and not having enough, not having enough of a recovery time. Okay, long term. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example. Uh, Jason Tatum, who oh, obviously yeah. the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics ended up losing uh, in the uh, NBA Finals to the Golden State Warriors in six games this year. Uh, Jason Tatum, he went, he ended up uh, going going to the Olympics, or no, he went straight from being eliminated from the playoffs last year to going straight to the Olympics. Not to mention he's been to uh I forget how many straight Eastern Conference finals. I think it's like or no, uh I think it's like four out of the last five years or something, or three out of the last four years. Uh yeah, and they've fi- been final, to the Eastern final, Conference final. Yeah, and I think finally yeah, overall, then, you know, final eight his whole his whole career each year. And then he decides he decides before this season to do the Olympics. And then we saw what happened to him in the NBA Finals where he just basically – or not the NBA Finals, but, yeah, the NBA Finals, but also you saw it in the Eastern Conference Finals where actually this whole playoff run entirely where he would have bad games where he would put up like 13 points, like nowhere close to where, to what you're used to seeing out of him. And, you know, and some people said – some people said, well, think about the road he's been on the past couple of years. And also, not uh, to mention this year, know. he literally – he had a shortened he had a shortened off season because he ended up uh, going uh, into the, – he represented Team USA in the Olympics immediately straight following uh, being eliminated from the playoffs last year. So, <clears throat> you know, there's not – there hasn't really been much rest for him, and that may be that may be partially why he struggled so badly during the playoffs at times this year. And yeah. I'm kind of wondering if it's the same thing for the Tampa Bay Lightning because you got to figure. I don't know. If you're if you're going on on 
you know, three straight Stanley Cup runs. I mean, that's not really a, uh, you know, not everybody can can handle that pace. Yeah, it's true. I, not to not to veer off uh, into left field or you know into the basketball stadium again, but um, regarding Tatum, I, I think I don't know a guy that young. They, basketball is different, I think, a little bit. They they like to play year round, and he's very yeah. young too. So it's a little bit different. Uh, I let Jalen Brown kind of play well and turned it over a ton, and I didn't realize he could not really dribble that well. I was a huge fan. And now, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I think they both got – I think the Celtics got, got tired. So, yeah, it is a good comparison overall with, with, the, yeah. uh, with the Lightning, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Celtics had never played that long into a finals, and that's a lot of pressure and a lot yeah. of heat and a lot of intensity and a lot of – just a lot of pressure. And uh, yeah, you're going up against you're going up against the, the cool, calm, collected uh, Clay and Curry, where it's like a walk in the park. The Celtics are like living and dying on every shot. Their crowd is like so emotional. You know, the Warriors were like more focused and relaxed. The Celtics were just kind of like over their heads, and like you said, they seemed a little, pretty tired and just kind of like exhausted. It was a it was kind of it was yeah. Go for it. Sorry. Yeah, let's let's transition over to the NBA Finals actually, because yeah. I mean we can obviously go back and forth. We can go back and forth. Sorry, we still sorry, have a Stanley Cup that, final. Steve. That's no, that's all yeah, right. I was, that, you know, I was, yeah. I was kind of transitioning anyways because of the fact that uh, you know I had brought up the Boston Celtics, uh, like I did as a comparison to sort of transition a little bit into the NBA Finals. I mean, obviously, we still got game two that's going on right now for the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, when that gets finished, obviously, we can we can transfer back over, yeah. uh, depending on what the end result is, which, I mean, let's face I'm it, it's probably going to be Colorado. I'm putting the avalanche now there on one of the computer monitors. I, I'm on a, a pretty, you know, get the nice monitor computer setup. Now I got the avalanche going. Yeah, yeah they're just dominating. Unbelievable. But uh, Golden State with a 103-90 to victory over Boston in Game 6. And, you know, I, I said it, that uh, Boston's going to have to, if there was any way for Boston to get back in the series, that they would have to stop playing hero ball, can, uh, stop, yeah. stop committing turnovers, or limit the amount of turnovers they commit. And they instead decided, let's just, let's just continue doing what we've been doing. And they had a they had a playoff high twenty two turnovers in Game Six, where the game was pretty much over at the half. Uh, surprisingly, even though Boston was down by fifteen at the half, which they have come back from in these playoffs before. 15, being down 15 against this Golden State team, uh, yeah, that's it's it's pretty much a death <laughs> sentence. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, especially you're, the goose. You're cooked. You're cooked when that when that happens. It's, the party's <laughs> over. Yeah, basically. And the thing that gets me is they say that the headline for the M, for NBA.com is. Warriors restore dynasty with 2022 title. 
I'm sorry, what? They restore their dynasty? I mean, I understand. I I always thought the dynasty was still around. Yeah, uh, you know, it, I under I under. It's been a while. I'm just gonna say that. I mean, it, they did not sustain it. I know Steph got injured. Clay went through a massive injury. Or I get I get all that, but I mean, they they were the number they were the number one pick two years ago. Yeah, that's and because of Clay Thompson going down. Well, yeah, no, I mean, granted, no, I'm agreeing to an extent because obviously, if they had Clay and Curry healthy consistently, they they might have had another ring or two in between. But yeah, they, so they kind right. of did just like they kind of reestablished themselves. I don't know. There were plenty of other teams vying for that, and then the, the Warriors kind of reminded everyone who the who the who the king is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it shouldn't really come as a surprise. I mean. Let's face it. If we're comparing both bench, if we're comparing both teams, Boston may have yes. had the better starting five on paper, but uh, yeah, Warriors the bench, bench. The, the bench yeah. was. It's not even a question. The Warriors you have, have a far have, superior bench, and longer and more athletic, taller and definitely better shooters. Pool. We didn't really <laughs> see Damian Lee or even Toscano. That much. I, I mean, I'm I'm missing guys. My remember. Right. They didn't even the use Kaminga. Kaminga is a really good. Run. They they missed on James Wiseman. I mean, he he was the number one pick when they tanked in COVID. He hasn't even really played yet. We'll see what he does. But no, I like and Moses Moody. They had two high picks again last draft. They got Moody, yeah, yeah. who's good. He's six five. He's a shooter, which I mean, D three and D is critical top value in the NBA. Kamingo's like you said though he's he stands out he's he pops he he shows out I mean that guy is an incredible athlete and he's tall and he's I think he's like 19 years old he's going to be a future really good uh, Golden State Warrior oh yeah and and plus like you said keep in mind they still have James Wiseman coming back yeah so, seven footer Rob but projectable. I don't know. I've heard different things about him, though. Uh, they, it was interesting. There, there wasn't a Duncan or a Robinson. It's not like Big Popovich um, when the Spurs tank. No. Like they, remember, they had that number one pick. And what? Oh, man. Look yeah. that up, Steve, if you could. Louis, look up that draft. Mm-hmm. That's a good topic for, for five. Yeah. Which, uh, which draft? James Wiseman overall, because the Kerr and I mean, Steph Curry, those guys randomly had that terrible year, and they were like, what? We have the number yes. one pick? They know what they wanted to oh, do with it. Oh, because okay. James it doesn't, Weisman. It doesn't always uh, mean Because, no, guys, because remember, their best players, like the best players in that draft, we're going to look it up, they were Why? playing in the same position as Steph. They were the same as Steph and Clay. So they're like, no, yeah, we need a big man. Exactly. Let's take, let's take Wiseman. We need a – let's get Yeah, Wiseman was the – like, it was the, 20, the 2020 draft. And he yeah, uh, no, like they, he ended up he wasn't he ended up going he wasn't, second. Oh, sorry. Okay, who went number one? Uh, Anthony Edwards to uh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He, he would have been in place of uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, An- Edwards is a two guard, but he's a three. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy. Watch out for Wiggins. Play, he can play. Edwards can play on either wing, and Edwards is like twenty years old. That guy's going to be awesome. So the Warriors could have had him. Who went three, four, five, six, seven? 
three was Warriors. Lamelo Ball. Um, yeah, they, see, they put you, they're not going to put. You can't have Ball. That's too much no. guard. I mean, you can't have Step in Ball. Uh, four was four was Patrick Williams to the Chicago Bulls. Still totally unproven. Probably a bust at this point. He's been injured. Yeah. He's averaged like five points a game. He's like a six foot six power forward. That was a terrible Bulls pick. Uh, five five was Isaac Okoro to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Shooting guard wing, so he's Clay and Poole. They don't need Clay or Poole. Yeah. Uh, six was Onyeka. Six was Onyeka Okongwu to the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Good big man, physical. Not like the big. You know, rim runner. They love like a Balika or a Draymond Green, but you know what I mean. Like they, right, yeah. they want guys that can shoot the three. This guy's like <laughs> six nine. This guy's more into uh, Zikwa. The, the the Hawks guy that you just mentioned. He's like more of a banger, kind of slow, kind of yeah. rugged. He do, he doesn't fit the Warriors. He doesn't shoot the three. He doesn't fit the Warriors. Well, he's basically like Kayvon Looney, essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors, um, they, they're such a good mix of players, man. When you really look at it, you have to respect it. It's, that, that is greatness. Yeah. And uh, Killian, for number seven, Killian Hayes went to uh, Detroit. He, I think he was from France. And now yeah. he's, I mean, the Pistons just picked Cade Cunningham, who's a six seven future point guard. I mean, they totally missed on it. Hayes is like D-League. And it, what was it? He's like a seventh pick. He was an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, they, that was like that. It was like that terrible on, pick by the Knicks. With, uh, oh yeah, Obi. Yep. Yeah, Obi Toppin went next at number eight. Yeah. He, he could have worked, but when you're picking number one, you can't pick Obi Toppin. So it's like no, they're no, kind no, of no. yeah, no. They're kind of Obi. Obi would be a a very good warrior. He's like a like a Kaminga, like a tall, rangy, fast. Rebounder, you know they just they like guys that can just swarm, and then they let Clef, uh, Clay and Curry run the offense. Wiggins is perfect fit because he's more finesse and he likes to shoot the three and he's long <laughs> and fast. So Wiggins can run. He's a perfect fit for a warrior. Because remember, Wiggins was the number uh, number one overall pick from his draft from Canada, right? And he was a disappointment in uh, yeah. when he was playing with Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler and Thibodeau. Never really quite. He could never be the man. So now he's perfect, just kind of being a supporting member, like being on the wing, and he can just make plays. With, he doesn't have all. He doesn't have all the pressure of being the man. Yeah, when you think about it, though, the thing uh, going back to Wiseman, the thing with Wiseman is he never really got to develop in college because no, uh, he ended no, he's up so, missing. So wrong. He, he ended up missing games. He ended up missing games due to a suspension involving uh, when he was with Memphis. Uh, he was suspended basically because. Uh, wait a minute. Hang on. Yeah, he was ruled ineligible to play because uh, it was stated that head coach Penny Hardaway had paid for eleven thousand five hundred dollars in moving expenses to help him and his family move to the uh, city of Memphis what? back in twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah, he's extremely uh, Wiseman's extremely raw. Not not really his fault, but uh, yeah, that that thing clouded him in college. He never really got going, and then he ends up in Golden State on this awesome team, and then he gets injured. However, you know, 
It's been a weird. It's been a weird, a weird start for Wiseman. In the season that he did play, though, he averaged uh, in in 39 games. He averaged 11 and a half points, 5.8 rebounds, yep. and he shot 50 or basically 51 percent. Uh, 52. We'll call it 52 percent because it's 51.9. Yeah. So 52 percent from the 52. field. Uh, shot 31.6 percent from three. And so, you know, I mean, and also uh, 21.4 minutes per game, uh, 27 games started out of 39. So, you know, it's it obviously it probably would have been better if he was if he was able to have played that one year in Memphis uh, if he didn't get suspended like he did. Yeah, which definitely. by the way, I don't think I don't think should really should really have been his fault. If anything, it should have been more against hey, the. Come on. Imagine imagine yeah. being a kid. You already know the answer. What I'm going to say. Imagine being a kid. Yeah. Maybe he's not the richest family, and a big name, yeah. and a huge idol, and a coach. I mean, oh my God, Mom, Penny Hardaway is offering to pay for yeah. this. Dude, I'm signing up already. Of course, he jumped at that exactly. opportunity. That's definitely not. That is right. not his fault, any any shape or fashion. Exactly. And I mean, come on. You know, they if Penny if Penny Hard if Penny Hardaway brings me in, into his school and I'm wherever I'm from, if he's like, hey, I'll help you out with something, I'm like, okay, Penny. All right, Mister Hardaway. <laughs> like, sounds good. Yeah. But then again, though he was a, a highly discussed prospect even back when he was in high school. Oh, so, huge! He's a huge um, talent. Right, I could, right. when I saw when I saw him, guys, he was like very raw. <laughs> you know, he's very. Um, there's a guy in the upcoming draft, uh, Memphis center, Memphis again. Uh, yes. uh Duran. He's like six eleven, two sixty. He's like a bigger, uh, taller Charles Oakley, but like the guy can only dunk. Wiseman kind of reminds me of it. He needs to like be under the basket, just smashing people and just getting like a putback, uh, a block, or you know, or a GM. He's not like a. I don't know. He's not a. He's intriguing. I don't know. He's fast and big, but can he shoot at all? From what you've seen, or is he just uh, Wiseman? Yeah. As far as I can, uh, I mean, I haven't really seen too much of him, but the uh, little I stuff I did see. Here. The little stuff I did yep. see, it seemed like he was more of a banger, if anything. Yeah. He maybe, did have maybe somewhat like... of a shot. He did have yeah. somewhat of a shot, but it's not. I mean, yeah. I mean just take a look at the free at the three point uh, percentage, thirty one percent from three. So he does have a little bit of a shot, but and the. As far as the percentage, the field goal percentage goes, that would that would assume, that would you know make you assume that basically he's yeah he has somewhat of a of a shot and he's not just a uh, you know a dunker. Imagine if uh, right. Imagine imagine five or ten years ago when talking when discussing or trying to like figure <laughs> out how good a, a how good a center is. Oh well, the three point shooting. Back in the day, they wouldn't even shoot threes. Patrick Ewing, how many threes? 10, 12, 15 in his career? Now it's like expected to be, you know, if you're six, seven foot, you're like, oh, man, he doesn't shoot a three? I mean, the game has changed so much. 
So he's kind of old yeah. school. Yeah, I, that's not a bad thing. I mean, if I'm a, if I'm a GM, I mean, I I still like the traditional, like at least one of the two big men. I want like an enforcer and a defender down low. I don't want everyone having to try to shoot threes. You can you can you can live and and thrive and survive with a physical guy down low. Still, doesn't have to be Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, Xavier McDaniel. It doesn't have to be four of them or five of them. But yeah, it's always good to have an enforcer on the floor. And then you have you know then you have other scores. You don't you don't need five scores. Uh, let me put it this way: I would rather have Wiseman than I would. Uh, that, yeah. And this may be a bit controversial. I'd rather have Wiseman as opposed to Chet Holmgren, who's coming out of Gonzaga right Ooh. now. That's interesting. I'm I'm going Chet just on the blinds. Trust me, I'm not not a massive college guru. I've watched him plenty. I've watched maybe Chet four or five times in two years. Uh, intriguing. Now that guy's seven one. Steve, he can shoot. I know he's I know he's thinner than a broomstick, but he can shoot and he can yeah. move. Seven one. So he's he's a lot different than Wiseman. They're 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 polar opposites. They're and they're both very intriguing prospects. They're totally different. But yeah, I don't know. I, what do you guys? I, I, do you guys the, think the one thing for Holmgren is. Holmgren's going to have to gain muscle. He's going to have to gain weight in order to. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise he's just going to get pushed around in the NBA. He's listed. I've been seeing the uh, media guide or ESPN or whatever have you, like in pregame stuff. And I mean, I was shell-shocked. I was mentally, like, flabbergasted. He's listed. Like, I'm playing NBA oh, 2K yeah. tonight, just, just having fun. I'm doing, like, a fantasy draft later. And yeah, I, I just got I just drafted him an hour ago. He's seven one one ninety. That that's like bizarre. Wow. That's that's bizarre. That's just like not a normal height length ratio, whatever you want to call it. No. Height weight. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's, like, that's like I'm gonna get punked and destroyed by NBA players soon. Come watch me. Like <laughs> he has to add like thirty pounds of something. He's got to be eating a lot Easily. of big Macs. How are you going to survive in the NBA at that? I mean, that is – that's ludicrous. That's not even 7-1-2-30. 7-1-2-30 is getting pushed around in the NBA. This game We've is seen over. that with, with Sean Bradley used to get punked, and he was 7-4. So now this this guy's 19 years old, 190 pounds, playing center? No. No. That's why, that's why there are some there are some people who may be great in college, and then there and then once they get to the pros, they may they may flame out. And I kind of see that. Well, I, I'm more than likely I'm wrong, he's but gifted. I kind of see he's that gifted. with Chet Holmgren. He may now be he's gifted, gifted, but the big problem the big problem is so, his weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're gonna try to hide him. What? Uh, so let's say the Magic take them. The Magic have Mo Bamba. They have Wendell Carter from Duke. Uh, obviously, Franz Wagner. Right. Magic and Galen Suggs. <laughs> Magic, are, Magic are a great young team. They're really, I mean, a lot of talent. Yeah. Like five, five top four picks in the last five years. They're loaded. Jonathan Isaac's coming back. Jalen Suggs. Cole Anthony. The Wagner brothers. But, no, so if, they, if right. the Magic took him, if the Magic take – Magic obviously can take anyone they want right now in the world. If they go Holmgren, 
then they could have Wendell Carter from Duke. He's only like, what, third year? He's like 6'10", 270. So then defensively, you just have stronger guys. And then Chet can kind of float around and play on the perimeter a little bit. You have Chet, and then you have Franz Wagner, 6'10", dude from uh, Michigan. You could have, I mean, you'd have three almost seven-footers. Athletic, too. I don't know. I'd probably go Jabari Smith if I'm the Magic, but yeah, I think that's I think that's what they might go know. with because a lot of a lot of mocks have Oklahoma City taking Holmgren with the number two. Yeah, which which fit? Because then you have Giddy. Yeah, you have the Australian guy who's very intriguing. He's like a six foot eight. I don't want to jinx him, but like <laughs> he looks kind of like Steve Nash sometimes. That guy is like just turned nineteen okay. from Australia. So he's still getting used to like ordering food and like looking around America. When, imagine and he Josh was an Giddey. all. Yeah, imagine and he was kind Josh of an all star like this year. Oh yeah, imagine Josh Giddy in two years when he's like confident and like knows his way around yeah, yeah. and like growing more. He, I mean, talk about yep. up. Talk about potential. That Giddy's like top notch in the NBA. And then you have Shea Gilgis, who's like a six foot six point guard. Yeah, I mean the Thunder that would be perfect for them. Holmgren. Because they have, like, a bunch of, like, incredibly potentially awesome players. So he would fit them. Magic, uh, the Orlando Magic are closer to competing. They already have five or six lotto picks. You know, the Thunder are just getting all those picks going. So the Magic, I'd take the most NBA-ready. Jabari's obviously can go Benchero from Duke, but I think Jabari's better. I mean, he's more silky. He's got a better touch from the outside. The Magic, are, the Magic are in a great spot. They have a lot of good young players. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, with the Ma- And plus they have the uh, – they have uh, Markel Fultz, I believe, as well, who is uh, uh, starting to turn things around, if I recall correctly. Again, he came back about – yeah, he came back maybe about two or three months left in the season and – you know, back from another injury, and he's like a six-four, another former number one overall pick, or number two. And number two, and why I think he may be potentially, uh, why I think they may potentially. Uh, oh, although I don't know though, because Mo Bamba is a restricted free agent this year. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they may potentially resign him. He hasn't him, shown but... a lot. He hasn't shown a lot. Mo Bamba. I mean, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> fun to root. He's from from the Bronx. He can shoot threes. He's kind of, you know what? He's kind of soft. When I've watched him, he's like tall and lanky. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would move away from him. You save money, get another shooter, because you already have Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. That's that's the backcourt. Terrence Ross and uh, Gary Harris from Michigan State. They got five good guards, and then you got Franz Wagner, an awesome young power forward. Or sorry, small forward, six foot ten. Dude, he looks sometimes like Dirk Nowitzki. They have they have Wagner, they have him. Yeah. Then now and then you have Wendell Carter, who's a stud from Duke, who's, who can play center or yeah. power. And now they're about to add the number one overall pick. I mean, if you add Jabari Smith, you have like three or four potential all stars that are all under the age of yeah. twenty three, twenty two years old. Yeah, I like think I, th- I think they would be. I think <laughs> they'd be more likely to add uh, to add Jabari Smith. I take I take their roster if I were like building long term. I'd 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 like to take their roster if I was a GM. If I could really build something from scratch. I mean, they have 
Right. So much younger. Do you guys think they they should go but, to Jabari Smith? What do you What do you think, Lou? Uh, Magic with the number one pick. Who do you think they should go with? Huh. Oh, they got a big decision. Because right now it looks like it looks like it's Jabari. It looks like it looks like it's either Jabari Smith, Paolo Banchero, or Chet Holmgren, who are the top three. I I think I'm gonna go with uh, Holmgren. Upside. Holmgren with Wagner. I mean, you'd yeah, have I mean, that would make a two, like two seven footers that are you know European or et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah. Paul and Lanky that can like shoot from like thirty feet. I mean, that's that's very intriguing. If you had two of those young guys like Wagner and Holmgren, one of them might turn into an absolute superstar. You I mean, they could always move. Well, they. They could always what? move. Uh, they could always move Wagner, I guess, as a. Well, no, he is a forward. Wait. Oh, Wagner's six, he's six ten. The white yeah, guy from uh, Michigan. He's listed. You're talking Franz, right? Or are Franz, you talking Mo? Yeah. All team, all first team rookie. Yeah. What? Yeah. Four, yeah. 15, he's a forward. In game. He's already yeah, fully he's listed. Yeah, that guy a, looks awesome. He, yeah, he's listed as a as a uh, forward. Yeah, so, he's six foot ten. I guess with Holmgren, I guess with Holmgren, he could fit in, uh, especially if uh, if Mo Wagner doesn't uh, doesn't pan yeah. out. Uh, Holmgren could fit in as a, as a center to uh, uh, as a as a center duo alongside Wendell Carter Jr. Well, of course, yeah, and not to beat the drum, but yeah, like I was saying before, because you can compensate. You could actually you just start Wendell Carter. <laughs> Have have yeah. have Wendell Carter take the big, biggest boy down low, and then Chet's just kind of like Chet's apparently he's a really good defender though with blocks and steals. He just needs to bulk up. But yeah, I'd probably take yeah. Chet. I mean, you would have Chet with Wagner and Wendell Carter, and then Suggs and Anthony and Fultz. And Fultz is like twenty four years old. He could still be an incredible player. Who knows? A very right. intriguing roster. I mean, you. That's why. That's why they stress the, you know, the need to to build your team through the draft. I mean, of you course. take a look at what Orlando has done with building through the draft. Take a look at Golden State. They drafted Curry. They drafted Thompson. <laughs> they drafted. I, I believe they they drafted Draymond. They drafted Poole. They I drafted Draymond. Right? Yeah. Bro, bro, they drafted Draymond Green in the second round. Yeah, which is unheard uh, of in Paul, the NBA. Paul, I mean, Jimmy Butler. Paul, there's like Paul three or four stars too, right? Paul was yeah. drafted Paul late, was drafted I believe, too, by, right? Okay, rare. Yeah, maybe. I think Paul was second round too. So Golden State's gotten mm-hmm. those gems. Golden State stole and they've stolen some gems late. And I mean, you take a look at you also take a look at Boston. You know, Boston, you take a look at uh, who they've drafted. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Williams. Robert Williams. Uh, Robert Williams was tech, uh, second rounder, I believe, or very, very late end of the first. Very late. No, he was very late first, I think. I believe it was like. Um, yeah. Who's the other um, power forward Celtics have off the bench? The young guy. Uh, Tennessee. Oh, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, Grant Williams. Grant Williams, Grant. he was yeah. late first, early second. 
Then again, though, if we're if we're gonna quickly talk Celtics draft, they also they had like fifteen high picks with Danny Ainge when they were really oh, getting. Know. They yeah, have yeah. missed. They've missed <laughs> Romeo Langford. Well, that's, they've missed on Aaron that's Aaron Smith. They've missed a lot. That, yeah, yeah, that's because Danny has an infatuation with guards. That's why. Like we were talking last week. Yeah, he loves like the right. six foot four uh, thin guard from uh, Utah or something. Yeah, like there's no there's no reason. Oh my God, and another goal. Seven. You don't need you don't, need you don't need ten you don't need ten Maybe young uh, six foot four guys. Oh boy. Yeah, you know it's it's not like. Uh, and by the way, Robert Williams was twenty seventh overall. So basically, what he pick. was. Totally yeah. But I mean, you take you take a look at the amount of just. I'd say maybe the only guard that has actually worked out for Danny Ainge recently was Peyton Pritchard. Because at least Pritchard is Again, serviceable enough to keep on the roster. 20, yeah, 20 minutes a night, regular season, 15 minutes tops in the in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's at he's least not gonna, serviceable. He's not going to start unless you're uh, – you know, if you're like the Rockets, he might start for a year. He could he could be a starter. He might get a big contract offer and go somewhere for a couple of years and start. Or he might just get a big contract offer. You can't pay Tatum and Brown and all these guys. Time Lord. Pritchard might walk. I don't know. Two two years away, I think. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. I was, uh, what's it called? I was uh, listening to a message that was left for me. Um uh. I hope but, that, uh, we hope it's uh, a good message. Uh, actually, it's just it's just reminding me of something that I gotta I gotta take care of uh, after we get off the show tonight. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, the whole thing the whole thing with it, with with Danny Ainge is the fact that he is just so obsessed with draft. Like, even if even if there was a position of need, like. Say for for example, the the Celtics they needed a big man. God knows how many years straight that they needed a legitimate big man, and there were legitimate big men available. They were were even flirting with Kelly Olynyk for God's sakes. Yeah, they were desperate for uh, big help. Yeah, and you know I'll give uh, for the most part Olynyk actually worked when Danny drafted him. Yeah. I mean, he was more of a shooter as opposed to an actual big man, but he actually worked when he made that. When he he didn't draft Kelly to be a big man, he drafted Kelly to be a shooter. Um, but the big thing with, with the big thing with with Ainge is even if even if uh, all those years that they, that he needed big men, uh, yeah, he drafted uh, Fab Mello, and that was a fucking disaster. Uh, yeah. Whatever happened to that guy from, but from the, Syracuse? Five minutes from Cuse. Yeah, Mello, wasn't it? Yeah. That Mello. He, he he played like one minute in Boston. I think the guy's in like a witness protection program. Well, yeah, because from all the all the uh, angry Celtics fans. That Danny Ainge wasted a pick <laughs> yeah, on Fab Mello. Yeah, because he stole money. It's probably yeah, he stole big money. <laughs> but uh, 
I mean, just just from all the years that Ainge has just taken guard after guard after guard after guard, there were so many wasted potential Celtics. I mean, he even took Desmond Bain and then immediately would, traded him. He would be – dude, imagine him on that team. Oh, my oh. – the Celtics <laughs> fan, I mean, any good fan would love him on, on their team. I love I love yeah. him, man. That guy well, is so tough. Desmond, if he's we had Desmond Bain, we wouldn't have had to trade for Derek White. Dude, he's like Desmond Bain is like a a Ron Artest size with like incredible shooting. That guy is so yeah. badass. Yeah, we wouldn't have had a, to trade for Derek. He's going to be an absolute star, Desmond Bain. I think it's going to be such a great player. Yeah, we wouldn't have had to trade for Derek White if 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 we still had Desmond Bain on the roster. If we decided to keep him instead of immediately trading him. Wait a second. I didn't even serious. They had they had the rights to Bain. Yeah, they did. They they drafted him and then they decided, that's, "Nah, that's, we want to trade him to Memphis instead." Yeah. That was one of the drafts where Danny just had like 18 first rounders and just started making all these crazy moves and woke up like, oh, what did I do? Oh yeah, that's right. I lived up to my uh, to my name as Trader Danny. Bang bang. Right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. Five five trades isn't enough, Danny. It's 3 a.m. Let's let's make a six trade. Yeah. He just it was like musical chairs on draft night. And he and, up with like I mean, he, three Romeo Langford and uh, yeah Romeo and Juliet. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, and you take and it, it just shows that the that the that the team suffered because I mean, take a look at some of the names that the Celtics finished with this year: Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Broderick Thomas, Sam Hauser, Jawan Morgan. Matt Luke Ryan Cornette. and Luke Cornett. They had like they had like five or six random Irish young Irish guys like at the end of the bench. It was pretty interesting. The the only two guys I like from that entire list are Nick Stauskas and Sam Hauser. Yeah, it, I like Hauser. Stauskas has been around the world yeah. with eighty different teams. He cannot stay on a team. I don't know if he's uh coaches wives, I don't know what he's doing wrong. He he wakes up on a different team every every week. But Stoutis was incredible. Well, he was a blazer. I'm a big well, blazer. He was a, he was a blazer like three years ago for a month. And everyone I'm a blazer fan. They were you know, I'm on like message boards and chat sites with blazer fans. They were like, This guy's incredible yeah. and he immediately next thing you know, he's just on the bench and he's in Europe or Russia or Belarus it's, I don't know why Nick Scouts just can't perform in the NBA, or I don't know what's going on with that guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, he is under contract for next year with Boston, so uh, mm-hmm. he is officially signed. From what it sounds like, it sounds like maybe he could potentially get more minutes next year, possibly. I didn't. Did they play him at all? One minute in the playoffs. Uh, yes, when they when, when they uh, it, it was it was in it was in garbage time. Yes, but uh, when they had extended garbage time. Yeah. Okay. A five minute clip. Did he take any shots? Or was he just like? Just oh no, he was by? taking shots. 
He was taking That's shots. That's weird. I mean, Pritchard, I mean, Stauskas is older, and he's not as good, but he's kind of got that Pritchard flair to him. He can warm up. Yeah. He can get going, hit a couple threes for five minutes, eight minutes. And they would have I, – I believe they would have used Sam Hauser a bit more, but the problem was he's been dealing all postseason long – or all playoffs along with some sort of loose body issue in uh, in a certain part of his body. I don't know if it's his knee or something or his, or his uh, arm, but he's dealing with some sort of loose body that he's probably going to have to have corrected in the offseason. Hmm. Well, yeah, injuries, the, the worst part of uh, The worst part of sports on the planet, uh, injuries. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, body. You, you know, like, you take a sounds look like at, an out-of-body experience. You, ta- you take a yeah. look at the two teams in the NBA Finals this year. Boston, they, they're they not really losing anybody of note for the most part. I mean, they have Sam Hauser listed as a free agent, but it's already been confirmed that he's going to uh, – his contract will be picked up. Uh, the team option will be picked up by Boston. So – I mean, really, the most notable person they're missing or they're losing is Luke Cornett. That's it. Everybody else is pretty much under contract. Um, oh, now, Steve. Golden State, on the other hand. Yeah. Steve. Hey, sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, just quickly uh, build on your great point. Speaking of Boston, before we go to Golden State, okay, they're in good shape. Cornett's leaving. Obviously, he's not a loss. I mean, God bless him. He's not a role player, even. Do they have their yeah. number one? How's Boston adding uh, power to this mix? Do they have their number one pick still? Nope. They traded it to uh, San Antonio yeah. for Derek White. So now you're off the finals loss where you have to get better and you don't have your pick. Okay, Danny. Thank well, you, they Danny. do have – They do. They actually, that was done by Brad Stevens, but they do have a uh, TP – they have a uh, $18 million – trade exception that they can use to go over the cap. Right. Okay. So they can, in, a, in other words, if push comes to shove, Brad Stevens, duly noted, not Danny, he, he, can, he can work the phone lines. He can get into the first round. So he can move. Yeah, a, if he wants to. I, 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 you know what? Maybe they move Grant Williams and take a swing and try to get even a little bit better. Good player. I mean, it's Maybe. got to give to get, right? You, I mean, you, you can't just yeah. uh, ask, ask for a favor and get into the first round. They got they got to give something up to get into get a pick. Maybe yeah. do that like a mid first. Or, or and I'm just throwing this. I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, they could potentially move on from Marcus Smart, or maybe, uh, or maybe even unload Derek White. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> Smart is not more um, noteworthy, the more desirable of the two. But Derek, I mean, Derek, yeah. White, Derek White is who he is. He's like a, you know, he, he's an awesome, he's a, a good shooter. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really like him as like a good bench player, you know, 20 minutes a night, seventh man, eighth man. Yeah. Basically what he looked, was for the, for the Spurs. And then, then now on the flip side, if you go back to Marcus Smart, number 36, I mean, you can get a lot for him. He's also the heart and soul of, of the fan base. So you piss off a lot of Boston fans. But maybe, oh, yeah. Tatum and, 
maybe Tatum yeah. and Brown, maybe Tatum and Brown feel a little less pressure next year if they're not if they're not the two main guys holding the ball. I mean, if you get a natural yeah. point guard in there, you alleviate some of that pressure, that intensity. Tatum looks like exhausted. a Ricky Rubio. I was about oh, to say that. I swear to God, I was about to say Rubio. Someone like that. Yeah. Or they can handle somebody the ball like a Ricky and... Rubio, or may, or maybe a Rajon yep. Rondo. Even though I don't know, I don't know if Rondo is good enough to start anymore. But uh, no, I don't know. I, I I love I love the idea, but yeah, to answer that, he's not he's not capable. I mean, he's back up in Cleveland right now. Cleveland's a great young team. No, no, I would look for um, yeah. I mean, Rubio Rubio just tore his ACL two two or three months ago, so he's out probably till the All Star break next year, which is which sucks. Yeah, but the I mean, point he, is he they off. need they need a, a bona fide playmaker. Rubio through the years, man, he was this huge international sensation. Then people thought he was kind of people thought he was kind of a bust or a big name. And whenever I watch him, I love Rubio. He, I would take him in Boston for a, in a second. Yeah, it's uh, honestly it's not it's not really much of a question for me. Like if if I if if the Celtics have right. the opportunity to get Rubio, you go for it. Um, yeah, and in that obviously in, in they that, would have to free up space, though. Yeah, and Steve, uh, regarding Rubio, I mean, in that neighborhood, as far as like that range, th- those types of players, like a Ricky Rubio, there's other good guards <laughs> too. They can get. There's other good guards too that they can get that are maybe a little bit better running the offense and handling the ball and handling the pressure. I mean, Marcus Smart does so many good things, but he's not doing a lot for them offensively. Yeah, he's more of a defensive player. And when he does decide to play offense, when he's not being the facilitator, he decides to play hero ball so many damn times that it, you know, as much as you say that he's the heart and soul of the team and he would, and, and losing him would infuriate a lot of Celtics fans, a lot of, there's also a, a lot of Celtics fans who would actually would not mind losing him because, of the fact that he decides to play, he decides to take the game into his own hands as opposed to yeah. being the facilitator. That's true. I mean, they're, uh, you know, he, he starts getting going like he thinks he's uh, Clyde Drexler or Dominique Wilkins. He, 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 it's almost like he tries to prove that he's worthy of, I don't, I don't know. He wants to get more involved offensively. Remember he was barking and complaining a little bit. And that guy's yeah. tough as nails. I, I never say a bad word about Marcus Smart as a as a player in person, but not one of his better moments. Remember, he was saying, "Oh, well, Mark." He said something about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like they have to learn how to pass. He wants to shoot more. Well, dude, when you have two young, they're they're gonna be taking the shots, not you. So Marcus, yeah. maybe yeah, exactly. Marcus, Marcus Smart might be eager to maybe move. I, I know he loves Boston. Don't get me wrong, but like maybe it's better for everyone if he gets a new start. Well, he would definitely he definitely has the most trade value. I'll put it that way. So, however, though, if they are going to trade him, they're going to have to get somebody big. I mean, I'm talking like oh, 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 like a Bradley on. Beal, for example. Oh yeah, borderline. Uh, yeah, all star. I mean, well, you wouldn't. Let's see. You'd have to give up Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, and 
another, an, at least another number one to get uh, Bradley Bill, three for one. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, uh, see, who would be a more I'm logical? Kidding. Not a Bradley Beal, but for for example, uh, like say if they if they were to have traded for John Wall in his prime, that'd be perfect. Yeah, they still trade for him. I, I mean, know. yeah, but he's not he's he's nowhere near the same John Wall that he once was, though. We we Steve. At the end of the day, honestly, we don't we don't know, and unless you're, I mean, maybe the Wizards know, or wherever, wherever he is right now. But you, you know what I'm saying? He might be able to get yeah, back he's, to where he was. He's not. So you're you're not you, you don't have to pay full value if you get him. You just yeah. He's with uh, he's with he's with Houston right now. Um, oh, with, last, yeah, with well, actually, I mean, wait Lakers, a minute. Let me Lakers, look at his stats. He's with Houston. He hasn't played with an Achilles injury. He's played like five games in two years. He's completely off the radar. The Lakers are aggressively trying to get him. Yeah, he I mean, played in 40 games, 40 games this year, and he averaged about 20.6 points per game. So, uh, yeah, okay, never mind. Maybe, maybe it's because of the fact that Maybe it's because of the fact that he's on a team that sucks so badly, like Houston. Yeah. But yeah, he he would probably fit. Uh, I mean, productive production wise, he definitely produces more than Smart. Um, yeah, I'd say may, maybe perhaps he would be worth getting. I mean, his his assist levels have gone down though tremendously since uh, his war uh, since his Wizards uh, days. It's tough. I mean, Steve, it's tough if you think about it. If you're a floor general, it's like a quarterback stats going down if he goes to an awful team. I mean, Wall yeah. Wall's played radically yeah. and kind of like randomly, like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna trade you, so you got to play for a month so we can audition and showcase you. He hasn't really had like a real normal schedule you know what I mean right and he's he's moving around so those stats are not going to be like an honest reflection of what he could be in the right situation yeah I mean, he could blow up to um 20 points a game and 10 assists as a Celtic easily if he can be healthy yes if he can stay healthy exactly uh but right this past year he had this past year, he had 20.6 points per game. He had 6.9 assists, and he had 3.2 rebounds. He's a very good player, and he's big, and he plays awesome defense, too. Yeah, he also shot – he did shoot his worst uh, field goal percentage in his career, uh, 40.4%. He's definitely not a great shooter. That's not even one of his top no. three qualities. He's not going to fool anyone. He's not a sniper. You got to have you got to have shooters around him. You got Tatum and Brown. And I still believe, I still believe that something was wrong with Tatum's shoulder, because he kept he looked off. He kept he kept. Uh, if you notice during some of the games, he kept stretching or he kept uh, like holding his shoulder after certain shots that he would attempt. Yeah, I think I, I I noticed that a little bit. I, I didn't know if it was a nervous reaction, but yeah, 
obviously it's like they don't want to announce it if they don't have to. And uh, right, you never want to say, hey, I'm injured, check it out, and then Draymond Green's going to come in and give you an elbow the next play. So it's like, yeah, I don't. The Celtics didn't want to reveal yeah. any uh, any injuries behind the scenes. Game over. Or yeah, like Steph. Bad. Or or like Steph Curry. Like what, like what Steph Curry did, uh, and yes, I saw this on video, uh, punched Marcus Smart in the nuts right uh, right as they started Ooh, up right the, the other uh, one of the plays. That's that's messed up. But, that, I mean, that's gamesmanship. You know what? The past 72 hours, Steve and, and Lou, I mean, I finally, I've, I've always respected them, even like begrudgingly like against what I wanted to do. Now I'm like in awe. I mean, they they really are that good. Steph Curry and, and company. Yeah. Curry, oh no, actually. no, they definitely are. They are. They are but, the guys that you know. When when we're 80 years old, we'll talk to people about like, wow, that you ever see Steph Curry? You ever heard about him? Like, they're they're a legendary group. Yes. And you know what? He's he's now entered the conversation. You know, this uh, best shooter, best shooter honestly, of all time. I honestly all- think. Oh yeah, definitely best shooter, but he's now entered the conversation of maybe perhaps the best point guard of all time, which no. I don't no, know if no. you can really say that because you look at Magic Johnson. Yeah, I don't know. Now, now this is a this is a great, awesome topic to tackle for uh, five or ten minutes. I mean, look at yeah. I mean, overall, I'm thinking about it. Uh, the best players that I that I think are the best of the best. Everyone has a different opinion. Um, would be like Jordan, obviously, or a big man like. You know what I mean? Whether it's Wilt or even Hakeem yeah. Olajuwon, obviously Bird's up there. Uh, yeah, as far as just looking at the point guard position, you could take Steph Curry and you would not be worried going to bed. I mean, he can play against anyone. Best all time. Problem point guard. Problem he is, he's he more could, of a shooting guard, Isaiah though. Thomas, Bob Cousy, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, Jason Kidd, John Stockton, name the other ones. Um, Steph's right there. Oscar Robertson. Let me go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think Oscar wasn't a point guard, was he? He was a wing. He was a, no, he was a point guard. He was listed yeah. as okay. a point guard. I, I, I had no idea he was. Yeah. I, I would pick him then. But Steph is right there. He's 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 on that uh, Mount Rushmore. I mean, just yeah, uh, just looking at uh, lo- looking at how he shot this uh, this this NBA Finals. I mean, even even if the even if the Warriors had somehow lost the NBA Finals, I still think Steph Curry would have been would would have gotten MVP. Yeah, deserves it. Yeah, and I was, you know he's he's really really difficult to root against. And Steve, you must have been, you know, a bit emotional. Even the strongest, strongest men get emotional um, about, you know, going. Oh, uh, I was. You gotta, you gotta appreciate the guy. Yeah. I mean, that is like the best you'll ever. Yeah. The, I'll, that's the best I'll ever see. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I was a Blazers fan. I I remember getting crushed by Kobe and Shaq. Imagine playing against that duo. You know, the Blazers had two Final Fours in a row. They never won a ring. Not not in my. Yeah, life. You know, I was just. I was just so I was just so pissed off at the fact that Boston they never they never really defended Curry the entire series. Right. You really can't you can't I mean uh, not to sound like a douche or or you know a D, but you you can't defend him that well. I mean 
are you going to double team him? Because then Poole or Clay or Wiggins is going to crush you. You can't yeah, double exactly. him. Yeah. This isn't high school. Like Steve Kerr, they'll obviously like nope. still get their rocks off. They'll still score buckets. Like, what are you going to double him? This isn't the, you know the YMCA. That's not going to work because everyone's moving in that offense. It's impossible to keep up with. I don't know. It's very that's and Steve Kerr deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, yeah, any coach would be envious. Any coach would love to be in that situation. But he's a very uh, creative, smart coach too. It's the, the perfect blend. It's three-point shooting. It's I don't even know how to describe it. They're always moving and passing. That's the coolest. That's the best part, I think, of the Golden State offense. They're always active. There's no like, there's no like, oh, what are we gonna do? They just they just flow really fast. And then next, you I know, mean, there can they even just, be. They, there can even always, be a they're night. always flowing. They're, they're always getting. They're always on the attack, and they're always confident, and yeah. they're always moving around the court. They're always moving on the court. No other team does that. They move so much. Yeah. I mean, there, there can even there can even be a night where Steph Curry is off, like in game. Was it game five? five I think it was game five. 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 Yeah, like a five uh, for yeah, nineteen game, or something. Yeah, where he went five for nineteen. He put up, I think it was like 13 points or something, and the Celtics completely blew it. Like, that was the one game that, I mean, obviously it would have given them a 3-2 series lead, but, you know, that's the one bad game that you were looking for from Steph Curry that you need to capitalize on. All right, so good night. All right, Lou, have a good night. Hey, Lou, uh, thanks, call for, back thanks for joining me. Call, Lou, call back in a little well, later. Actually, actually, it's about to uh, it's about to hit eleven though, so um, you know it's going to be uh, the the problem with Blog Talk is Blog Talk cuts off uh, from the other from the other listeners. Uh, at, basically, if you like, say for example, if you were to get disconnected after eleven. Uh, you wouldn't be able to call back into the show. It's some stupid oh. thing that Blog Talk has. Uh, so we're riding. I'm riding. I'm riding the late night train with you. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much longer we're gonna go tonight. Uh, I mean, I'm just. I'm just looking at the uh, at the list of stuff that I have here. Uh, we do still have a couple of things to talk about. Um, First off, the Vegas Golden Knights, they may have found uh, their next voice to officially lead them back to the promised land, back to the Stanley Cup finals to have a chance. Steve, Steve, after your brilliant – I loved your breakdown last week of the uh, Boston – what did you say? Almost like the Proud Boys. (laughs) The the made men. Yeah, the the boys club. So I – I thought of you immediately when I heard of the Golden Knights uh, update. Yeah, and might I say it's a, it's a mighty brilliant hire for Vegas. And oh. I mean, you just take a, you take a look at this roster that uh, that Bruce Cassidy, who uh, they signed to a, a new four year deal. Um, I mean, some of these players that he that he's inheriting. On well, actually, I should probably fully where is 
I know. Yeah, I got. I gotta find. I gotta find the. Uh, I gotta find the site here. Here we go. Because uh, I use Spot Track to keep a to keep an eye on which players are still oh, nice. under contract. What's that? What's that? Um, Steve, great. What was that again? Spot Tracker. Spot Tracker. It's called Spot Spot Track. S P O T R A C. Oh, it cool. basically okay. what it what it does is it keeps track of like contracts and stuff uh, of certain That's players. That's a great concept. That's brilliant. I like that. <laughs> I mean, just taking a look at some of these uh, at this roster that he's inheriting. You got Max Pat. You have Max Pacioretty, Jack Eichel. William Carlson, Jonathan Audi Marchessault. You got Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Weber, Who's Alex goalie? Martinez. Uh, their goalie is Robin Lehner. Oh, wow. Who was, I believe, if I recall correctly, he's been on Ottawa, he's been on Chicago. Um,. He was at one point with the Islanders, uh, Toronto at one point, Buffalo. But you know, the the point being is, you know, he's he's their number one goaltender because um, they don't have uh, Mark Andre Fleury anymore. Uh, but you know, Bruce has basically gone from one stacked franchise another stacked franchise here with uh, with Vegas. And they have enough star power on this roster. The problem is they were suffering from from a vo- from uh you know they needed a new voice basically to guide this roster. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's a great fit. I mean on the surface and deep down, I mean it seems like this is a win-win. I mean, you have an incredibly reputable, hard-nosed, prideful coach going into a really talented roster, and they're they're both kind of getting a new start. I mean, the potential for greatness is right there. I mean, they, yeah. you, you don't think you don't think he wants to absolutely dominate and and show his former employers who he is and and how how much you know more respect they should have showed him. So he's going to have a fire in the Oh, definitely. Back. And then, definitely. and then you have this and awesome, uh, awesome, relatively new team in Vegas, full of talent. I mean, that's a perfect recipe. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what team in their right mind fires a coach after he went fifty-one, twenty-six, and five this year? Yeah, that, that's what, sort of, what like you said team in their right mind does uh, that. Oh, I, I said proud boys earlier, Equ- equally deplorable. No, you said uh, good old boys last week. It's the same same. Yeah, thing. the uh, the the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the the boys, boys the boys club. The, the proud the club. proud boys the men. Yeah, just totally well, ego driven. You know, in, insecure ego ego divas. Won the coach of the. Wow. Yeah, it's a very ego-driven, uh, a very ego-driven uh, front office in Boston, basically. Yeah, they want to like if you speak up, it's probably not going to work for you. Um, you probably get shut down, maybe a little bit, just looked down on. Probably not a good environment to thrive in, or at least, or or even exist in. So he's going to be 
you know, reborn, refreshed. Vegas is not exactly Idaho. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have some fun in Vegas. And a great uh, younger, oh, yeah. very mixed. You know, think about how excited that fan base is. They, they didn't have hockey five years ago. So they're, like, loving this. So, yeah, this is a great, great match for him to start over and really kick some ass. Well, actually, their fan, their fan base believes that they should have gone elsewhere with their uh, with really? their hiring. What do you mean? Which, oh, uh, I, thought I, you meant I, fan, I thought you I thought you meant their fan base wanted thought that the team should have uh, been like the expansion team should have happened somewhere else. <laughs> they just no, 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 <laughs> no, no. The 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 team the 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 fans feel that they should have gone elsewhere when it when it comes to uh, instead of Cassidy as their coach. Oh, interesting. Why so? What? They feel Why so? they feel that somebody else would have been a better fit. But honestly, you know, I look I look at this I look at this uh, at this hiring, and I mean, he's pretty much the perfect fit. Like he's known for working with young talent. I mean, obviously, you know, Vegas isn't really that young. Um, a lot of their star players are on the older side of the. Uh, they do have Jack Eichel, who is still relatively which is, young for which, the most which is part. Interesting as it, which is interesting that you said that, because I honestly didn't know they're in the scope of their – the vision of their in, entire roster. I guess with, since they were that new expansion team, they, so I guess they went a little older yeah. when they got into the league. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, not, I'm looking at – I was talking earlier, like, like he was going to lead the new, like, Orlando Magic of the NHL. They're not young. I, I didn't realize. No, they're not. So they're they're, they're not game. young, but they're also. I mean, you take a look at just taking a look at some of these players here. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, their uh, their captain, has won a uh, Stanley Cup with the. Uh, he won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues a couple of years ago. Uh, Alec Martinez, he won the cup uh, twice, I think, with the uh, with the L.A. Kings. Uh, just ones off the top of my head. Uh, actually, I think those are the only two that have won Stanley Cups on this roster, I think. Um, yeah, those are the only two that have won Stanley Cups on this roster. But, you know, Mark Stone is an NHL veteran. Uh, Max Pacioretty, uh, he was around during the – I think he was around – yeah, he was around during the Bruins Stanley Cup run. Back in 2011, uh, so you know there's they have players who have been around basically, but yeah, they how do have their, some players how, how on the younger their, side. I now how how good is their defense? You got to have at least three. Uh, <laughs> ideally, you need, you, need, you need four good defense. You need four good defensemen to, to survive. Well. Well, they do have four good defensemen. I'll put it that much. Uh, Petrangelo and Weber are e- – they just acquired Weber. Uh, Petrangelo and Weber uh, easily are probably their two top defensemen now. Uh, Martinez and Theodore are easily top four. And then they have Braden McNabb and uh, Zach Whitecloud as their, uh, as their bottom two. So, so they're kind of going. It sounds like from the tone of your voice, it kind of goes six. They, they actually have six viable guys. Yes, they do. Uh, that's 
That's I would good. say White Cloud is maybe I would say White Cloud is maybe a question mark because he's only had one year uh a one year one year of experience but you know it's weird cuz wait a minute this doesn't make any sense so it's um, unless he got extended uh it's uh, oh yeah he did get extended six uh he signed a six year extension last year um Yeah, you know, and maybe I just don't know much much about White Cloud compared to the other five. But uh, I mean, Shea Weber was the top defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens this year, and for the past couple of years, he also was a top defenseman for the Nashville Predators for so many years as well. Um, Trangelo, easily the top defenseman on the club. Uh, he was a top defenseman for St. Louis. He even led them to the cup uh, as their captain. Uh, Alec Martinez, like I said, cup experience uh, with uh, with uh, the Kings. Uh, he's reaching up in age, though, too, so he may be retiring soon. How old Chase is he? Theodore, 35, 30, 30, 35, 36? Uh, 34, I think. Yeah, 34. Okay. He's about to be 35 in about maybe a month. Has he gone through any injuries, or has he been like a stalwart? Like, what can you say? Maybe he has a couple more years, or is he reaching the end? No, he does have a couple more years. I, I believe he does have a couple more years, but usually with defensemen, it kind of varies for when more, they, when they hang it up. Yeah, it's, that's a great call, Steve. For anyone listening, I mean, the grind as being a defenseman, you're just not flying around as much. You're more grinding and taking shots all over your body and smashing people with elbows and getting getting clipped and getting tripped and getting smashed. Takes a little bit of a toll. Yeah. So it kind of varies. You know, with him, considering he's won multiple cups and – I mean, he is kind of, uh, this may be his, uh, some people believe he's kind of overpaid a little bit. Like he's making five and a quarter million per year. So, huh. Uh, some, some may believe that he's, that he's making a lot. Cause I mean, just taking a look at his, at his previous contracts, obviously you start out with the rookie level deal, which is about, three years at about nine or actually at about 875,000 a year. Uh, The second contract he signed only, it was basically two years, uh, 1.4 mil total. Uh, Third contract he signed was two years, 2.2 mil total. Then he got a massive extension, six years at 24 mil. And then he uh, ultimately got traded to. Uh, he then got traded to Vegas. Is he? A, so, uh, I think I know the answer. There's two different parts of this question. Uh, one's the easy part. The other one's like, oh wow, okay, maybe I thought not. Is the new uh, Vegas coach gonna love this guy? And does the ownership probably want to get rid of this guy because of money? Um, are they are they going to keep him? Or? Money. Uh, 
let's see, money wise. Well, first off, I think the co- I think Bruce Cassidy will probably love him because a he's probably a better uh, better defenseman than most of the Bruins defensemen. Like I actually wanted him to, to be uh, acquired by wow. the Bruins. Um, he's that good. Now, as far as as far as the owners, I believe the owners. I, I believe the owners have no problem with him. Uh, I do not know what their salary cap looks like right now. Let me see. That's probably what, that's probably the the best way to uh, get to what I was trying to guess before. That's going to be the key is the cap because if it, you know push comes to shove, love is business is not personal. Maybe Cassidy would love to coach this guy. His teammates obviously, I'm assuming oh. they love him because he sounds good calling. <laughs> He sounds loyal and blue collar. They what is are the cap over there? the cap, actually. They are over he, the cap right might, now uh, without get, with, uh, Jack he, Eichel. He might get snipped. He might get uh, taken out then. Uh, maybe. Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to look. Uh, it's, it's really hard because they, the, it claims here on Spot Track that they're over the cap by about four million dollars. So. Um, oh, they can, they can obviously, though, money. the they cap can, is going to raise, they can, though. They can move off something else. They can move off. There's probably a minor leaguer making a lot of money. I mean, they can manage that. It's not like a – that doesn't sound like it's insurmountable. They can keep them around if they want them. Yeah, the cap, The thing is, too, the cap is going to raise because it raises every year. So. Oh, then they can really um, – his, his agent and his family and him, you know, they can honor that and say, hey, you know, his – the Knights can say, look, we got to wait for the cap to raise. We got you. And then they can just have a gentleman's shake and wait for the contract. Yeah, let me see. What is the cap supposed to be next year? Uh, 82. I'm eager to learn if it's a big jump or just a small incremental jump. Wait a minute. What was the – hang on. NHL salary cap because it doesn't make sense. The cap looks like it's the same as as this as this season. Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, okay, so it was eighty-one and a half mil this past. Uh, for the twenty for the 2021-2022 season. The cap hit was, or the uh, the cap was eighty one and a half mil. Next year it'll be eighty two and a half mil. So it's okay. not really that. It's about a million dollar raise essentially. So they are going to need to uh, move off somebody. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to blow up. It's not going to make or break teams, but it's a little bit more cash to maybe take care of the people that you want to want to keep around the most. This guy sounds like a keeper. I don't know. Yeah, but also you consider his age too, though, because I mean they just they just acquired Shea Weber, who is pretty much around the same age, and actually he's, you know, uh, they're taking on more money compared to uh, compared to what Martinez is making. Oh, I didn't, I so didn't this know this is actually going to be – yeah, there's uh, 
this is going to be a little tricky for Vegas because. Well, if you, no, if you're a, if you're a, you need a every good ologist, a cap guru. If you don't have that, you're going to be, you know, sitting in the wind, screwing yourself. Problem every is, year. They're t- yeah, their top two players, cap wise, are Jack Eichel who is coming off of uh, experimental surgery that has never been done on an NHL player before. Uh, uh, how did he play? Steve, I've been meaning to ask you, how did Eichel play? I know the big um, name. I'm trying, to find that out. I'm trying to find that out right now, if he did play this year. Because um, I know he was out for a significant he's portion. A, I think he's a Massachusetts or um, where is he from? I mean, you know the deal. He, was like a massive, yeah, he is from Boston. Massive prospect. Yeah, he played for Boston. I think it was Boston University, if I recall correctly. Yeah, where, where Chris Drury went. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, this year, in a shortened 34-game season because of injury, because he uh, underwent uh, – there was a whole bunch of there was a whole bunch of shit that he had to deal with with Buffalo that uh, really screwed up his season. Um, basically, basically he could have had the surgery. He could have had the surgery last off season, and he would have been able to play a full season this year. But yeah, that was and, and they had the law and the doctor thing and the legal thing. I I read about that. That was a very emotional thing for everyone. Yeah. Needless to say, Buffalo screwed him. So he did play. He did play 34 games, uh, 14 goals, 11 assists for 25 points. However, I don't think he was on the first line, though. I think he might have been on the second line. Okay. So I mean, it's technically around his regular production. Uh, his regular production scale that he would have had if he was with Buffalo. So, yeah, I'd say if 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 we were to have uh, translated these to a full 82-game season, he's probably still worth the $10 million that they're giving him. He's also young with the, with the, with the, the best resume or pedigree or yeah. hype. And, and and the best worldwide scouting loves him. I mean that guy you lost. Yeah. Up. I mean think about now he. I mean think about all the injuries and the madness. <laughs> and that, that, that's maddening to you know his family, maybe his girlfriend or his dad or what, going through his surgeries and when the like you said when the Sabers were screwing him around, he's just maybe like finding himself again. He's like getting new confidence. He might get more and more yeah. improved game now. Like. And obviously now he's healthy. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, he could be like, he could be twice as good as he is now in two years. Yeah, and especially once he gets a once he gets the chance to, because uh, he never he didn't really prepare past off season. Now he's going to have a full off season to get ready for next yeah. season. And getting, we'll see what getting, I, I would assume. I would assume he'll be back to the regular Jack Eichel that yeah, that he was with Buffalo. He's getting a he's getting a new a new lease on life. I mean, he's started he's basically getting a <laughs> a new you know, he can he can write a new book about his uh, about his story. 
I mean, he's getting a second chance right here. He could absolutely blow up. Now, what I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they may have to unload somebody like a like a Jonathan Marcheseau who's making five million. Uh, maybe William Carlson, who's making about five point nine mil, and he has a modified no trade clause. I know the former. I don't know the latter. How good is uh, Carlson as a player? Uh, you know, he's not that bad. He, for the most part, he, he had been their number one center for, uh, since Vegas came into fruition. He had basically been their number one center until they acquired Eichel. Uh, This year though, I mean, 35 points, 12 goals, 23 assists. Uh, Compared to other seasons, that's not going to. Uh, that's not going uh, to win any awards. That's kind of a very weak no. production wise. Well, I, I mean, compared to other seasons, his best season was his first year in Vegas, where he had seventy-eight points, forty-three goals, thirty-five oh. assists. Uh, I, years ago was that? I. It was four years ago. So he's. Dude, he's got that in the gas tank. He's got the potential. He does. I think the problem is is that he's been he you know, he he's been sort of demoted a little bit. Like that year was the one year where he was the bona fide number one center. That was the then beast. Yeah. And then ever since then, his numbers have gone down. He had 56 points the next year, 24 goals, 32 assists. Uh, the year after that, he missed about 19 games with an injury. He went 15, uh, 15 goals, 31 assists for 46 points. Then the uh, last year, he had a shortened 56-game season because of the bubble. And... <laughs> He had uh, 14 goals, 25 assists for 39 points. And Bigger, this um, year, 67. Oh, sorry, Steve. Go for it. Sorry. Well, I was I was just saying 67, 67 games played, 12 goals, 23 assists for 35 points this year. So I, look, every year his I, point totals have gone down. Okay. So, I do, yeah, I see a little bit of regression or, uh, you know, a little bit of a drop. Um, is he defensive? Can he hit people? Can he take shots? Is he two-way or is he like, what kind of player is he? I believe he's a two-way forward, yeah. Okay. So, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I believe he is. It sounds like uh, just the type of blue-collar, kind of tough, you know, loyal player that, that that the Boston coach who's just arrived would love to coach. So I mean I yeah. I think he has to there. That that would be a bigger loss than you would think, I think, inside the locker room. Like he sounds like a guy who's pretty loyal and uh pretty tough and blue collar. He's the type of guy that I, I would want in the locker room. I think he's I think he's now the number three center because I'm looking at Jonathan Marcheseau. And Jonathan Marcheseau put up 66 points this year, 30 goals, 36 assists uh, for Vegas. And Marcheseau is listed as a center. So I believe 
Marchessault mm-hmm. was the number, either the number one or number two center, uh, depending on where they put Eichel, which means that Carlson was downgraded to the number three center, the third line center. So that might explain his his uh, his point drops. Possibly, um, they are gonna. I mean, they. Uh, let me put it this way: they're in a bad situation right now, to where they won't be able to re-sign Riley Smith uh, in free agency. He put he put together 16 goals, 22 assists uh, for, I believe, their second or third line this year. What's What's a quick uh, 10 second description of him? Younger, fast. Uh, I'd say he's he's still in his prime. He's 31 years old. Uh, the one thing I noticed with him when he was with Boston was he was definite he was definitely on the faster side. Uh, dependable, a dependable scorer. Like he he's one guy that'll give you at the very least 15 goals per season. So definitely a very serviceable second or third line winger. But could potentially play the first line if he needed to. Performance this year compared to the last three years. Is he going up or staying the same or trending down? Uh, he, he He went back up this year, but compared to the few years before last year, it's low because okay. he had a three-year stretch. He had a three-year stretch in Vegas. His first three years, where he was put, where he put up at least fifty, uh, at least fifty-three points a season. Okay, interesting. And now, and now he's down to. He had a twenty-five point season last year, and now he's up to thirty-eight this year. <laughs> so it's it, you know so, he's a guy you always want to keep the loyal uh, hardworking talented people around. It's fiscally you know it's the head is different from the heart. Pretty uh, important people are going to have to uh, squeeze some numbers and see if it works. And if not, you know he's going to be someone else's treasure. And that's the way of the world. Can't keep I think they want. could potentially move on from Pacioretty though. Pacioretty is making seven million dollars this year, and uh, you told last year. Steve, Steve when I first started, yeah. uh, was luck started when I was lucky enough to get on the show first. I, I remember that name coming up. He sounds like a great player. I mean, would they get rid of him, Pacioretty? Uh, they might, considering that he has been injury prone the last. Well, not not the last. Let me put it this way: his entire Vegas career so far. The most games he's played is 71 games, where he put up 66 points a couple years ago. Uh, In his first year with Vegas, he played 66 games because of injury, uh, put up 40 points. Last year, he put up 51 in 48 games played. And this year, he put up 37 in 39 games played. So his big issue is injuries, and he's making $7 million a year at the age of 33 going on 34. 
and with an with injury issues, you know, and him making seven mil makes it a little bit more slippery <laughs> with the injury, a little bit more slippery with the uh, injury factor. Yeah, exactly. So he could be a potential candidate to be moved, potentially. Now, is there cap all? So, do they have a, a general manager and ownership, uh, Vegas Knights? Uh, yeah, they got they got. I mean, obviously, every team, you know, they have a they have a general manager. I don't know if they have a capologist. I would I would assume they probably would have to, considering you know consider, considering the fact that they're a major league team. But uh, I mean, you know, they finished just slightly out of the playoff picture. They had ninety four points, which. For the most, wow. for most of the time, is good enough to be an NHL playoff team. 80, 85, 85 used to be the norm in uh, for a six, seven, or eight seed in uh, the nineties. Eighty-seven yeah. points, eighty-eight, eighty-nine points. You're automatically in. Yeah. So they had ninety-four points this year, and they got they got beat out by L. Well, actually, let me look because they got beat out in the division by LA. But uh, also, remember back in the day, you also didn't have um, points given for uh, shootouts or overtime. Yeah. Fun fact. So the, a lot. So those teams would either get twice as many points or no points on those random nights where they lost in overtime. See, they got beat out. They got beat out by Dallas by four points and Nashville by three. So. Dallas huh. uh, made the uh, Dallas was the first wild card with 98, and Nashville was the second wild card with 97. Both of them from the uh, Central Division. Okay. Now, if if they had one wild card per division, uh, one uh-huh. wild card per division, Vegas would have definitely made it in. Who's younger, Dallas or Nashville? <laughs> now that I'm learning more about. The uh, Got more um, more talent, more upside, more something. You know, da- I, I would say I think Nashville was mainly because of their young goaltender because they don't have Pekarene anymore, but they do have. Uh, I think I think it's mainly due to their young goaltender who was uh, Yaro Yaro Saros. Hopefully I got that right. I think I, I think um, I got that right. Big, big name protege coming up through the system. Uh, draft pick. What's his uh, What's his background? Uh, he was a fourth round pick back in 2013. Okay. Well, okay. Maturation. Good. Growing up. Uh, he went 38, 25, and three as the. Uh, as the uh, number one starter for Nashville this year. Okay. That's what, 6'6", 65%, 67? Yeah. Yeah, it was like 60, I think 65 games or something like that. Dallas, on the other hand, uh, a lot of that may have, a lot of their success may have to do with their two big stars, Jamie Benn and uh, Tyler Sagan. Um, Let me see who their starter is. Their starter, I think, is 
Well, Jake Ottinger, actually Jake Ottinger might have a little bit of credit as well. 30-15-1 and one this year in 48 games played. Wow, impressive. So that could have something to do with uh, with Dallas's uh, – because it was a dogfight pretty much for the uh, towards the end of the year because obviously the top uh, – I would say at least the top five seeds were already locked in. Uh, Colorado at the top with 119, Minnesota with 113, Calgary with 111. 119 points? Can you imagine? I mean, that that's like peak. Uh, you know, Paul Coffey, Wayne Gretzky, Etienne, uh, Grant Fuhr, Mark Messier. That I mean, 119 points is unheard of traditionally. Oh, there was one. There was one team that had more. Believe it or not, one thirty. What? What? Peak Oilers or uh, Penguins? Yager. Nope. Uh, the Florida Panthers had one hundred and twenty-two. Wow, amazing, man! Florida, Florida is not only represented; they're like they're they're quietly or pretty pretty loudly and proudly like incredibly <laughs> good. These pro hockey teams in Florida, <laughs> that's what expansion yeah. and, you know, marketing and, hey, 14th uh, fastest growing state in the country. Florida's doing some big things. So, yeah, they were like, okay, we'll jump at this. NHL is like, yeah, of course, we'll get in the bed with you. Let's make more money together. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. Camp, Florida, Florida, I mean, Florida, that's, that's such an interesting um, addition to the league. I mean, if you think traditionally, you have Detroit, Chicago, you have all these teams, Rangers, Islanders, yada, yada. Florida, like the last, what, 10 or 12 or 14 years, Tampa, Panthers, too. It's cool. that The NHL is doing a great job expanding. Oh, definitely. Lots. And they I mean, have uh... – Nashville, do you think some trucker or some country uh, music singer in Nashville ever taught his daughter how to skate? Now Nashville is a huge hockey place. I mean, yeah, there's different, especially after they made the finals that one year. Yeah, I mean Vegas. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, I know these hockey players in Vegas. No one would ever say that 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so they, they've done a remarkable job, really marketing. I mean, kudos to the NHL. Oh yeah, that's why that's why Gary Bettman is considered to be one of the best. Uh, one of the best commissioners around. That's why he's still there after all these years. He's doing it right. And, I mean, you can – everyone, you know, wake me up when you find a perfect person. Everyone has some faults or weaknesses, right? I mean, Batman sometimes, you get hurt over here in the, you know, the New York media area here. I'm I'm always listening to stuff here, and, you know, there's – the Knicks are here, Mets, and – Rangers and Giants and Jets, whatever. But yeah, they they would always say, "Oh, but you know, Batman's not accessible. He would not go on the shows, on the on the sports shows, the radio, you know, overnight calls and stuff. He's just quietly doing his thing." Yeah. Now, you know, one co- one coach who has definitely uh, who has also found themselves a new home uh, this off season, John Tortorella. The former Stanley Cup winning coach 
is now the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. You want to talk about two combustible elements combining. Uh, John Tortorella, John Tortorella in front of that Philly crowd. Wow. He will fight someone, uh, you know, midway through the first period of the first game. If someone in that stadium says something wrong, Tortorella will go up in the crowd. Oh, that's that's going to be fun. That's musky. That's musky TV. All right, this is a dude who tried to go after who tried to go after the Calgary Flames. He literally went right to the Calgary Flames locker room <laughs> after a period uh, when he was Fearless. when he was the coach of uh, Vancouver for one year. Fearless is crazy, and sometimes crazy is fun. I mean, yes. that guy will throw a brick wall. He doesn't give a fuck. Would give a you know, ding dong, whatever. Yeah, he is fearless. He will go like to bat for his players. You know, players love that guy. Now they don't love. Oh yeah, they don't love because if you lose, that guy will run your ass. Obviously, on the, on the ice, he'll skate your ass into the ground. You will be, you know, sprinting, doing sprints the next day if you lose. Like that, that old school coaches, <laughs> they would punish. They would punish underperformers. They they don't listen to the status quo. Oh my God, I'm I'm with uh, LeBron James. I can't say anything. No, the old school coaches would get in your face, and and they ran the ship. Like uh, Tortorella is great. The Rangers were not as good yeah, well, as they are now. Obviously, he did not have the pieces, but he was trying to get them back to glory. And you know, he flamed out. He had a good run as a Ranger coach, I think. Well, he got them close. He got them close. They lost in the conference finals in his next to in his second to last year with New York. Yeah, no, he was very. I thought he was great. And then, of course, he ran into Boston in 2013, which uh, obviously we know Boston ended up losing to to uh, Chicago in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals that year, but. Uh, I mean, Tortorella, yeah, he has, you know, he has a record of, uh, I mean, hell, he's, he's coached over, over a thousand games, like a he's nearing 1400 games, uh, having coached in the, in the NHL. Every, every sports writer can, can write great stories or not know enough about the guy. I don't know enough about him. Uh, you can just respect from afar. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, the guy obviously has a great yeah. track record, a resume, he's a proud, he's he's a ballsy, like, emotional, fiery coach. I'd love to have him, you know, as a coach on my team. Oh, yeah. And he definitely, he's won coach of the year twice, actually. Tw- uh, 2004 when they won the cup with uh, Tampa and uh, 2017 when he was Which- with uh, Columbus. Which makes me wonder. It's, it, I know. I promise after tonight I won't keep saying it every week. But yeah, as I'm learning, like I'm finally falling back in love with hockey. I'm remembering all these things. Yeah. Tortorella was probably. There's probably not a good enough reason to let go of him at that point. I, I'm thinking maybe when the Rangers fired him, you, you can't really fire a person of that stature. Do you think he wanted to go, or do you think it was kind of egos? Uh. Or, not a quiet guy. I think it might have had to do with ego. It might have potentially had to do with maybe perhaps New York felt that, uh, you know, they needed a new voice. Didn't they go through yeah, a rebuild you, process, you know, you, too? You had, you, you had Mike Keenan there. 
Mike Keenan's got a louder voice than this than me and your uh, neighborhoods combined. And he worked out there. Yeah, but I mean, but didn't they didn't they go through a rebuild process though? Yeah, I recall that. They they stacked up a couple picks recently. They didn't have Kreider That's back then. That's probably why. They, That's they probably why they, he probably he probably had no interest in going through a rebuild. They didn't have Fox back then. Yeah, it was this is before all this started getting going. So yeah, they, he probably had no interest in in going through a rebuild. So uh, they ended up letting go of him. Um, He's well, a top five uh, no, support. NHL, top, top, top five NHL coach. You know, I, I, oh, I've, yeah, I've, really, I've really enjoyed just getting reintroduced in the sport. Like, Gerard Gallant, very impressive. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't win. Guess what? Only one team in the world wins. That doesn't mean everyone else is a loser. So the Rangers yeah. had a, a very winning – the Rangers are winners right now. And so I feel really good about Gerard Gallant. Uh, oh yeah, you know I still I still say that Vegas made a mistake getting rid of him because uh, Gallant, if I recall correctly, yeah, go for it, sir. Huh? No, what I was going to say, I, I believe if I recall correctly, Gallant actually led Vegas. Yeah, he led them to the Stanley Cup Finals in Vegas's first year, and they ended up losing uh, to Washington that year. And then, then they end up losing in the first round the next year, and then after a twenty-four, nineteen, and eight start to the season, they ended up firing him mid-season. Wow, that's explosive. I mean, think of that—that that change of events that you just <laughs> that you just articulated, that you just described is amazing. The, the ebbs and flows, the high and low of that. He was on top of the world. He was mid. He was way down on top again, then down, then boom. Every day things change. Yeah. Next, oh, he's on the on the move. I mean, sports is a volatile uh, industry. <laughs> These guys. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, you know, need, needless this to say, he move. definitely. You he know, fall in love with the. Cup. I guess I've. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. Go for it. Steve, go. Well, I was, I was, I was, I was just saying. You know, Vegas obviously felt that there was a need uh, for a voice for a change in uh, leadership. But I mean, honestly, you take a, you just take a look at his at his resume that he was building with Vegas so far. I mean, yeah, maybe they got off to a bad start to the season, but yeah, there's no reason to fire him mid-season. Give him till at least the rest of the year. And I'm thinking, and, and Steve. I didn't, Hey, you know what? Not for I mean, I coach kids privately just like for fun, and I love uh, lacrosse. So I'll coach like as a as a coach, like you take passion, you know, in the players you're trying to develop. And right. I think it's really wrong if a, if an owner doesn't appreciate a good coach like that. You know, I'm I'm kind of you know I'm always going to be like a pro coach guy. I'm, uh, you'll never see me uh, coaching for Duke or Syracuse or something, but I coach yeah. like you know. But, high school or middle school, whatever, every year I just maybe like try something fun if I can, you know, do it on the weekends or something. So, I mean, I'm always going to yeah. take the coach's side. Well, mostly, obviously, if there's some egregious coach, I'm not going to support him, but you know, they got to, they got to handle a, you know, a classroom full of athletes. Uh, I'll tell you, of, I'll tell you this, uh, the Rangers, the Rangers better not fire him because, uh, no, I mean, 
he's definitely got a hold of this. I mean, yeah, they, the the only reason why New York got eliminated was because they ended up facing off against the two-time reigning uh, Stanley Cup champion. So and they had and they had they had tired legs. I never I hate excuses. Trust me, they did. From what I saw, I know I'm a Rangers fan. They got tired. They slowed down. I mean, they could not keep going at their their pace. They just weren't used to it. Well, they said too that there were some players who were injured, like uh, Ryan Lindgren, for example. Uh, he was he was dealing with an ankle injury. Apparently, uh, Barclay Goodrow uh, suffered a frac- suffered a fracture of his ankle bone. Apparently, he was playing through the uh, through the fracture. So, I mean, I know injuries aren't really aren't really an excuse, but you know, there's no excuse for injuries, but they still technically were playing banged up as well. So maybe that's why they may have appeared a little bit slower. Yeah, they just, uh, you know, you, you, you saw it unfold, Steve. I mean, you're a very, very observant yeah. guy. You know, you know sports, you know hockey. They were just kind of like, it's like they were running out of gas. Then they they were oh my god they were they were racing against a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and they were they were keeping up and then they just ran out of gas and the Ferrari kept going yeah I mean they they were just physically spent they were exhausted they went to the brink to the edge to the cliff what have you two straight game seven. And then you're play, you're playing, you know, <laughs> the back-to-back champs. I mean, that's a lot of that's a tall order. They ran out of gas. Yeah, plain just just plain and simple. Um, but I mean, he his first season, you know, a fifty-two, twenty-four, and six record. I, yeah, you know. I, I, as a coach, you know, as an owner, you can't be asking any more out of that from your from your coach. And no, that's, that's dude. I mean, let's think of it. This, I mean, Final Four. Yeah, I mean, Rangers are really they're investing again. I mean, Drury's doing a great job. Drury from from Connecticut. I went to the same high school as Chris. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're turning things around, and they're, they're going away. You know, the biggest problem with the Rangers, if you give me 10 seconds or 20 seconds, when they when they won it all, peak Rangers, 94, Messier, Tikkanen, Bukaboom, Blue Collar, Leach, Richter, they got really <laughs> They added guys like Eric Lindros, uh, Nash, big guys, soft. They neglected defense and goaltending. Now the Rangers got Igor. They got, you know, the, the pieces are in place now. The young guys got to improve more. I mean, Crowder's not getting any younger. You need more production out of like Kako and uh, his other, you know, boy toy, Lafreniere, Lafreniere, or whatever. Lafreniere, yeah. Yeah, I, I always call him something random. I don't know, wasn't thrilled about that. Definitely wasn't meaning to uh, pull you off topic at all, but it's just oh, no, 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 the, no. Um, the rosters and you know the coaches are incredibly important. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, I looked up the Rangers. 
they weren't really going through a rebuild. I mean, after they fired Tortorella, they were still technically in the playoffs. I mean, they they lost in the first round against Pittsburgh one year. Then they lost in the second round the next year to Ottawa. And then they didn't qualify for two years before they lost in the qualifying round to uh, to Carolina. And then they didn't qualify last year. So this is strange. So yeah, I mean they're they're coming back strong. I don't know. It's it's really important, as you know. They they have a great GM in place, and he's a former you know Ranger and a former. He lives right around. He he grew up you know forty five minutes outside of uh, Manhattan. So like it's really cool. There's kind of an electric energy just in his leadership. Uh, Steve, since he took over, what, three years ago as a GM. Like, Chris Drury's a local hero in Connecticut, what's on the doorstep of uh, Manhattan, Connecticut. So there's a cool yeah. buzz going on. A lot of people, you know, he's from the city I live in. I went to high school with Chris Drury. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and, you know, I thought I thought it was very impressive, the fact that not only was he handling the Rangers, but he was handling the Hartford Wolfpack this year, too. Yeah, he's a very savvy guy, and he owns the biggest, um, I'd say top three, I mean, definitely the biggest um, restaurant or, like, number one, you know, on, like, a Sunday night after softball or Little League, like, Sunday lunch in Fairfield. Uh, Chris Drury, where he's from, he played at Fairfield Prep. He's the only player ever to win the Hobie Baker and uh, Rookie of the Year in the NHL. He's the only player on the planet to do that, by the way. So oh, he wow. bought – he and a couple other guys from Fairfield Prep from our old high school, they went in on um, a pizza place, and now it's all over the East Coast. He started started a pizza place. I mean, the guy just makes moves. He's a very smart, really good guy, too. He's I mean, also so a Stanley he, Cup he, champion too. Yeah, I was he won the say, cup yeah, with. I mean, uh, he won the cup with Avalon. Colorado. Uh, Dude, Avalon. During... He started. He, yeah. You remember that? He started still on fire, and then he got injured a little bit, and he became like a. I would I would not say an Adam Graves, but kind of a blue collar ranger that everyone loved. He, he wasn't a scoring forty a year, but. He turned out to be a good player. No, but he did average he did he did average about fifty to sixty points per year though. So really good. I mean, any GM would any coach would love to have him on the ice. Yeah. You remember his yeah, first his rookie year? Rookie year. I think he scored. I think he, I think he scored two OT game winners in his rookie year, and the Avalanche won the cup. His rookie year. They, that series with Patrick Roy, it went seven. I think Drury scored two goals in that. I, he at least scored one game winner in that seven-game series. I think he scored two. He has the most game winners. There's some stat. There's some Chris Drury stat, I promise you. And I'll, I'll come back to that with it next week. Yeah. Yeah, he has, I think the most game winners. He's top five game winners uh, playoffs of all time. He's at least top five. I look up his postseason stats. When he was healthy, he was literally he was in Colorado. He was on what? Then he went to the Sabers, Buffalo. 
Then he yeah. Went, then he entered. No, no, he went York. to Cal- he went to Calgary for one year, and then he went to the Sabers for three years. And then, and, New and York. then New York. Yeah. He's top five. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. Top I'm five. looking his best. His best uh, scoring year in the playoffs was goals. his third year with Colorado. What was his top goal scoring for a regular season? Forty-five goals, forty-eight goals for a regular. Uh, let me see. High, high it 30. was thirty-seven for Buffalo. Thirty-seven. Yeah, he never like got it going yeah. that way. No, he was more of a he was more of a twenty to twenty-five goal scorer. There was one year where he had thirty. He had back-to-back years of at least thirty goals with Buffalo. But for the most part, he was like twenty to twenty-five, somewhere around there. We'll see. I think Gallant's going to be a good one. He, he seems like he's having fun in New York, so we'll see. You know, the future is bright. Oh, yeah. That's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. Yeah, for as I, a fan. I would be. I would be very surprised. I would be very surprised if uh, if New York moves on from him. Uh, before his contract is up, there's no way. The electricity is completely different. Like they, he like resurrected a really fun, proud franchise. I mean, Drury and Gallant. Well, I, I mean, they just they just pushed the champs to the brink. Final four. There's no way you can replace yeah. any of the people. You cannot disrupt this. You have to add like second line, third liners. I mean, you got to bring back the core. Well, that just that just goes to show you that the that the players are actually, uh, you know, the players are are buying into what uh, to uh, his philosophy, to his coaching style. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. I think it. Yeah, obviously, obviously, we'll see uh, moving forward. But I think that that may also potentially. Depend on what New York does this off season. You know, if they're able to bring back certain players, because uh, you also you also have to take into account if they if they lose certain players, you know, what effect that might have on team chemistry and everything. Sure. And Steve, on that note, what what's the Rangers' biggest question mark, aka also known as who's their biggest pending? Uh, Free agent that might walk. Who do they have to keep? Andrew uh, Andrew Cop. Okay. Affordable. Um, well, let me put let me put it this way: they're gonna have to choose uh, either one or the other because they they did just extend Sammy Blaze uh, this uh, this off season just just this past week. Uh, to a short-term, one-year, one-and-a-half-mil uh, deal. They have huh. to choose between either Ryan Strom or Andrew Kopp because both are probably going to command around the same amount of money. And, and from last week, you were, you were giving me some great intel that Strom's not the most rugged guy and that he might be making too much money and they can move off him and go with the young yeah, Strom is more of a playmaker, if anything. Yeah, he's more I mean, of a playmaker. Um, if, but if the other guy at the same time, or, uh, 
the other guy, Cobb, is more blue collar. I mean, and if he's younger than Strom, I'd go Cobb. <laughs> yeah, slightly. He's just slightly. It's like Trump, less than Trump's a year. Gonna, Strom's going to demand some money. That's the issue. And Strom's a big yeah. name. Strom and Cop, I would, ex- I would, I would expect that Strom and Cop would probably get around the same amount. So, well, and when, yeah, well, yeah. considering you're going to have to, considering you're going to have to extend Capocaco as well, and maybe bring back Frank Vetrano and Alexander Georgiev, there's not enough room uh, for both Strom and Cop unless one is willing to take a pay cut. Well, I'm glad Capo, Capo and his agent apparently have uh, Wi-Fi in the in the doghouse because they're they're negotiating deals in the doghouse right now. Capo couldn't even uh, oh. suit it up in the game of his career. Yeah, which uh, which is a shame, but uh, you know Wait maybe that might be a bit of a sign. That might be a bit of a sign. The fact that uh, the fact that he got benched like he did. Yeah, but well, maybe it wakes him up. I mean, he's he, that's that's shameful. I mean, think about that. Top overall, one of the top picks in his draft, his big big, you know, hopes and dreams, and then scratched. Wow. Yeah. He better come back hungry. It's gonna be uh, he's gonna be you know playing on seven different teams in the next ten years. Well, the one I, I'd say the one good thing for you guys is the fact that he's probably not gonna command a lot of money with the uh, production that he was putting up. So it could be a lot worse for a number for, for a number one or number two overall pick. Uh, <laughs> I would expect, I, I would expect him to be producing a lot more. I mean, that's, that's criminal almost. I mean, come on. He's got to step up and wake up and show up. He should be commanding yeah. nothing. He should be blessed and feel grateful if the Rangers want him back. So yeah, but no. I mean, Jerry Maguire, his his agent's going to be in his ear, making him you know, sign in Nashville or Columbus for more money. I mean, there's no way he should leave the Rangers, but he might. I don't know. He might, yeah. Uh, but with that being said, though, we are at the end of our show uh, tonight. We're about to be taken off the air uh, in about a minute uh, by Blog Talk, but. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to Alex and thank you to Lou for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And uh, as far as upcoming uh, Big Brother or Survivor uh, interviews, stay tuned to Block Talk Radio. If we we are going to get one done, uh, we will have it up there within the next day or so uh, in terms of scheduling. Uh, but for the time being, everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys uh, next Saturday for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Thanks a lot, Steve.